know. The legends goes, if you say his name into your into in a mirror at least three times, he'll show up and give you a graphic tee. And then someone on Twitter will respond back saying, buy some damn adult clothes. So Brandon T. McClure, say his name. I don't know his name. I just told you it's graphic T. That's a horrible <laughs> name to say three times in a mirror. Graphic T man, graphic T man, graphic T man. Oh, that man. would have been really funny if you had tie if you had Fanny just like whoop. <laughs> just put a graphic a transformer shirt i should i should have probably should have done that i literally just thought about that like five minutes ago there, there's a whole reason i'll get into it in a bit but anyways welcome everyone to the 253rd episode of the fake nerd podcast we're not talking about graphic tees we are talking about candy man and that's the only time i'm gonna say the name i'm not gonna say it four more times good because good. uh that's some spooky ass shit we'll say it enough and later i'm sure Probably. Uh, I'm Ben Magnet. Brandy McClure didn't Hi. say the name. Ryan, how about you say his name? Man, comma candy. Okay, that works. Sparks witty. Candyman. God, you're bold. <laughs> he is bold. Uh, Candyman. No. 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 Actually, no, no, Candyman. No. I love Candy Tony Pod. No, no, no. <laughs> I love Candyman. Candyman. I don't think you'll understand how much this movie terrified me. <laughs> Tony, where do you what are you doing here? I, <laughs> I I've been pretty good lately uh, with my night terrors. You know, as as I'm sure you guys know, I suffer from a lot of night terrors, uh, which makes sleeping very difficult. Um, but I've been pretty good, not a lot in the past couple of weeks. Until well, boy, howdy, the night after I saw this movie. <laughs> Until awesome. after you saw this movie, right? Yeah. That's a bummer. That's so interesting. I'm I'm so curious to hear why. Uh, it scared we'll me. Get into it. Huh? <laughs> it scared me. No, I know. I just I didn't I I didn't find I re I enjoyed the movie. I didn't find it personally scarier than the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, uh, it's more it's so of what knock. the. It's not a knock on the movie. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, I I, I agree. I don't think it was like scary, but the undertones of it uh, sunk into my brain and, and created imagery that terrified me. Sure, I get it. Uh, we'll get into it. That's yeah. why we're here. Who wants to talk about their week first? It's me. Oh, I have links. I have links. Oh, no, shit, I don't, don't care. care. Oh. No, no. No. Please? No one cares. Please? Nobody cares. Why not? I care. Go ahead. He cares. Fool, I got I probably got some links in there too, so I definitely care. She You don't have a link in there, I'm afraid. Yeah, I should. I nope. got it always. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh you don't. But yes, I... you do. Since you're so eager, yes, you have an OSG article. An old school gamer magazine article is linked below <laughs> from our very good friend Ben Magnet. Yep. It's uh so this past week, the thirtieth anniversary of when the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo Entertainment System came out into here in the United States. So I had to write a little thing about that. Um, it's it's there check it out um since we're in in that one uh speaking of articles i forgot last week um i'm going to do it for a couple of weeks probably a couple more weeks um my kaiju ramen article is still in that magazine you can still get a digital version of that magazine i've linked that below um great magazine i highly recommend it a lot of fun articles in that one um not just mine and ryan had a downright annoyed just earlier today oh i sure did and we watched the documentary called Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Um, hey, I saw that movie when it came out in theaters, and I thought that movie's really cool. And then I watched it again, and I still think it's kind of cool, 
but it's really gross that all slavery was caused by vampires and they just kind of wash away all white people being victims or being the bad guys of it and i'm like wow it's really gross and i really hate it but it's got really cool action so like turn your brain off and just pretend it's 1950s and you don't think about this kind of thing a dude catches a horse and then gets on it so it's hard to listen that's why i yeah. love that yeah like that's my favorite scene in that movie is that wicked horse chase um my, the, mine too mine too my one of my favorite moments though is just when they're on top of the train it's anthony mackie and what's his face i don't know who plays abraham lincoln but when yeah, he yeah. they're just like flipping the axe around and catching it and shooting it and just like oh it's, man uh, it's surprisingly more anime than i remember um yeah. and i'm like yeah there's some stuff that really works it's just i really wish they just didn't center it around slavery because it just kind of ruins like the fundamentals of like ugh, you guys are just gross or even like, if you did like if it had the kind of like wanting to make us say something actually, about it the way that like something it, like if that were made a few yeah, years yeah, yeah. later it might have if it made if it were made today i think it would be made with more tact and more yeah. uh, precision but like for a 2012 movie like it's still fun like it's still a good time. in in a weird way where it's being a completely different fictional take of abraham lincoln it is also still serving the meta narrative of abraham lincoln saved us all from the dangers of slavery 100 uh yeah. and it's like that's that's so not and true. like i'm gonna spoil a movie from 2012 real quick but the, like it has a final battle where like the entire like the entire southern army is made up of vampires and i'm like now we're just like literally erasing right. history and i'm like yeah why do we even make this movie we're just gonna do that i okay it's been years since i last saw that movie and to be honest i don't really remember it well i saw it on a plane and i kind of wasn't really paying attention very I'm much sure very watching well. or not a plane yeah. Um, so, isn't Robert E. Lee a vampire in that movie, or is no. he like not in the movie at all? No, Robert E. Lee is in the movie, but no, the, um, the Southern Army was getting defeated, so they sent vampires to uh, to supplement who who were uh, uh, who were they losing. I mean, I've been basically, basically like how Captain America: The First Avenger says, "Well, it's the Nazis aren't really a threat anymore. It's it's Hydra that's living in." the nazis that came up from it like hitler's gonna lose power but hydra's the real threat so that they can focus on that it did the same thing but it did that with the confederates aren't the real threat it's vampires it's vampires yeah. and the vampires are cool like hey it's, it's, it's still a fun movie yeah i like i like that movie immensely um yeah. we also like have I telling them something specifically and he just ignored nope. it i was listening yeah look at me when i talk to you sorry i'm doing the twitter thing for our show damn it sorry all right I, that's okay. why i stopped doing the instagram thing actually all right sparks um, I, I apologize so yeah it's just like hydra where it's the where it's yep. like it's not really nazis it's but replace not you got it replace hydra it. with the vampires got it it's on hbo max for free so watch it if you don't want to spend money on it don't spend money on it okay I mean, I own it. I already did spend money. Well, Brandon, on it. you own a lot of things. Okay, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I really, uh, yeah, I've had that one for a long time. I just recently bought Event Horizon because I've had that one for a long time. Event Horizon is a much better movie and it's way less I, political. I needed to, I needed to upgrade release, to a Blu-ray. Release the the director cut of that. God, Event Horizon. Yeah. Oh yeah, that wicked like extra two hour gross cut. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, all my like a lot of the DVDs I'm trying to upgrade because uh, with newer TVs the DVD. Uh, frame uh, ratio is getting a lot smaller mm-hmm. and not filling the screen so i was trying to get blu-rays to up to up res somewhat on this note and i'm really happy about it, so i'm just gonna talk about it i got the 4k of big fish i got the 4k Woo-hoo! of big fish for a specific reason the blu-ray of big fish had none of the awesome bonus features talking about how burton made the movie or anything like that it had zero bonus features it was just the movie 
because yeah. that's the lame blu-ray disc so i had to keep i had the blu-ray for a pretty copy of the film mm -hmm. but i had the dvd because i was like I, I really love this movie and i love these bonus features the 4k has restored those bonus features in high definition wow uh, i don't need to own either of the old copies of that film i'm all good now i love it it's awesome uh, i finally got my playstation 5 set up so i'm getting some 4ks also huzzah um, okay, we also have some some things that came about the network. Um, we'll go back to the links in our description. So around the network, we had a couple of things come out. For example, I finally got an episode of Conversation out. Um, I uh, I'm probably going to switch to a uh, every other week format for Conversation mm -hmm. while things in my life kind of balance out. Um, there's still things like family stuff that I'm dealing with, but I really wish you'd made that decision after pushing them back at least one more week. One more <laughs> week. <laughs> I'd already been three weeks. It would have been three weeks at that time. And I I've really, been damaged I, enough. I think I'm, I'm done. I really felt bad. He took it really personally. So I felt, I felt really bad. So I was like, I really need to get this episode out. So I finally did. It was awful though. I lost all the work I had done on it previously. So I had to start from scratch. Um, but anyway, it's up. Uh, ben Magnet, your episode is finally up for conversation um really good episode actually yeah. i'm I, i'm really happy with how it turned out uh, i hope everyone enjoys it as well did you get a chance to re-listen re to it oh, wait are you, me yeah of course yeah. i listened to it yeah. twice actually are you still on twitter well <laughs> see i don't listen to our content so ben can listen to it for twice to make up for me yeah that's true um yeah so uh that's up and then we have two episodes of fake nerds watch um, we have a, a, you can go back to Twitter now, Ben. Um, we have a Victor's Watch for Lower Decks, uh, which no, I did really with. Can. You really can. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, we have a uh, Victor's Watch for, right? Lower Decks, right? We didn't do What If till the other day. Yeah. Um, what If so, What If will be up tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, Lower Decks episode two is up. It went up this week. Episode three will be recorded soon and go up soon. What If as well. Um so yeah, check that out. Um, I talked with uh, Downright uh, Nerdy and Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. Yes, yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna tell you if you forgot. Just a quick like. This is just to share with whoever gives a shit in our listener base. Like uh, something that frustrates me about the format that we do these in now is that when we are making the videos, like ones for fake nerds watching stuff, and we record them privately so I can edit them to look, make them look nice, and put them up and all that uh, uh, set up later, which the only thing we don't do that way is this, the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I can't download those things to my computer for like 12 hours after they've oh. gone to YouTube. Uh, I can't download it immediately because of how long it takes to like back it up on the site itself. Mm -hmm. Super frustrating, yeah. super frustrating because it meant that like, you know, there was no world where I could get what if out today, even though we right. recorded it yesterday, because I was like, I can't just wake up to early before I go to work and get it done. So I can't, I just can't do it. Yeah, uh, it's it's stupid. It frustrates me. I hate it. That's YouTube. Uh, um, but Lower Decks uh, is good. Good up. Good show so far. Um, really like this last episode. So I'm excited to talk about it. And our good friend Mike Matola. We all love Mike Matola. You all love Woo! Mike Matola. Uh, he came on to Fake Nerds Watch and did a special with us, uh, talking about the Disney Plus Marvel shows up mm. to the point of the recording. Um, so that's everything up until What If episode two. Um, yeah. It was a lot of fun. That's a great episode. I highly recommend it. Link below. If you want us to be more negative, definitely listen to that episode because I know sometimes we're super positive. It's pretty nice. Oh, yeah. It's, sometimes right. it's I just kind of nice. I yeah. was also just really glad that we brought up like way more different thoughts than what we did yeah. in our in our. I was like, this is mostly just going to be us like, yeah, Mike, 
because <laughs> we did episode by episode discussions i'm like oh no we got to talk about a ton of shit mm-hmm. that we didn't really talk about on those shows yeah. yeah but that's it that's all linked below so check those out uh enjoy them love them review them like them whatever cool Sparks? Them. what Your you fan? want you want to go with your week first Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. no, I lost my boner for that. I'll do no, I'll do <laughs> No, I'm right next to you. I see it. <laughs> um, I, was, I was looking at my list, and I'm like, wow, that was this week? Okay. Um, <laughs> I did some CW catch-up, which I think, if I recall correctly, is that I finished Batwoman um, season two. That was cool. Um, they, what was it? Batwoman. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Um, they, they So the whole season <clears throat> now was like working them up to the point where they can go forward with less cast members that were originally part of the show that were deeply connected to Kate. And now everybody's more connected to the new Batwoman. We can leave all the Kate Kane stuff. That makes sense. Her dad is leaving. Kate is leaving. They brought her back, but now she's leaving. She's going to find Bruce. Um, The actor that played, played Bruce for a hot second because he was hush. He came back and played Bruce Wayne in a dream. So he's Bruce. He is Bruce of the Arrowverse. So that's interesting. It's really interesting to me that, you know, we got Tyler uh, Hawkland. Figured that one out, by the way. Hawkland? Oh. Yep. Wow. I've been saying I don't know. Yep. Hawkland. Um, Tyler Hawkland wow. as Superman uh, in Supergirl for his guest appearance. When they cast Bruce Wayne for the Arrowverse, they cast this dude who, like, he's fine, but, like, nobody knows him. Like, yeah. he's not, you, I wouldn't call him immediately iconic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, for Bruce, so it's it's kind of surprising, but it is what it is. Um, that woman did some nice like poetry stuff with with how like Kate's story ended up with Alice poetry and rhymes, which is neat. Um, I respect it; it was cool. Uh, Flash is a show. Um, <laughs> I feel like certainly I, by I, definition. I feel like everybody that I know who watches that show uh, uh, more than you is just yeah. hate watching that show at this point because uh, it's like all like. Every week I'm just like, man, this show exists for sure. And I'm like, that's so sad. I'm definitely at a point with Flash where I'm like, I don't... Like, honestly, I might not have come back for Flash next season. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't announced what they announced in the news, which we'll talk about later. Uh, I finished Godzilla Singular Point. Uh, I need to watch it again. <laughs> it's a solid anime. Um, I definitely... I think it. I think it does a lot of really great show a callback stuff. I've said that before. I will say now that I think it does it both to its benefit and maybe a little bit to its detriment in the sense of like some things that characters are doing. When I really like think about, it, I'm like, this is kind of just like business to keep you around, mm-hmm. unless like character stuff. Um, there's one particularly weird thing where like a guy created an AI thing that he oh, made. Yeah totally accessible to anybody this very smart girl decides to download it and then it becomes her like ai companion who helps her save the world but the other guy created it Mm -hmm. but she's the person who really utilizes it to the best of its ability okay it's but the other guy is a main character using the ai a different version of the ai in a different way in a less intelligent way i'll say okay it's weird it's but that really AI weird. becomes weird setup. But that AI becomes something important. Yes, uh, yes. But I won't say anything about that. But like, right. it's weird the way that the the connections like play out there, and it's like 
she her intelligence and her relevance to like discovering what's going on with the kaiju and things like that feels like it's exemplified by the ai created by another dude rather than by her own merits mm, okay. and that's one of the things that kind of bums me out about it gotcha. because this ai created by another dude who we're also following but she's using it it's like, it's like not letting her discover it or whatever yeah. it's it's like it's like giving her the cheat codes yeah, yeah. for her to launch ahead rather than her doing all the work, uh, which is f fine, but it's weird that it's this other guy's AI thing. I don't know why I couldn't have, she couldn't have her own thing. I don't, I, anyway, um, it's a little strange, but it's very Showa. It's very Showa to do that kind of shit. Uh, yeah. so, I'm really glad you, you, you finished it. I, I really like that show. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought it was really cool. The animation is top notch. Um, I watched the first episode of the new season of The Owl House because season two, Ooh. not all of season two, but the first 10 episodes of season two are now available on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so I started watching season two of The Owl House and that show is still real fucking good. How many episodes in the first season? Uh, they're not done releasing it because they're on a like oh, mid-season break. How many episodes are out? Uh, 10. Oh, that's so, easy. So the 10 now okay. are available on Disney+. Plus, and there's more coming. Um, and season one was... Season one was sixteen. No, that's what I was asking. How many season one? Sorry, yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm, only on episode, I'm only on episode four of season season one, so I I'm the wrong person to ask. Yeah, I want I want to say I want to say it's sixteen. I think I'm going to start that soon because everyone seems to really. That's like awesome. It. I think you would. I think yeah. you would get a lot out of it. Um, I was I think three episodes. I was three episodes in, and like by like 10, 15 minutes in episode one, I'm like, now the show's great. I absolutely loved it. I, it took a while. It took like I want to say like two or three episodes of me to get to really get into. Uh, what was it? Gravity Falls. You guys know I love Gravity Falls, but it took a few episodes for me to get into that. And then with Owl House, like 15 minutes in episode one, I'm like, nah, it's got me. I want it. I want to go dive head first into this. Got you on the reel. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's really good. We watched What If. Uh, there's an episode out for that out tomorrow where we discuss it, so well... check that out. Um, I read a pretty decent chunk of Reign of X comics. I'm still behind, but I'm... You're probably more I'm ahead making... of me then. No, 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 I'm not. I still haven't even touched like the first way of X. No, oh. because I'm still going gotcha, through gotcha. it in order. Uh, but but I'm I'm a big leap. A big leap was taken. Good. And I'm I'm overall pleased. I saw you reading New Mutants, and I, and that's pretty much everyone's like favorite book right now. I, I do love me some New Mutants. That is that is the uh, that is the promise that the X line. Uh, uh, I'm in the Farouk times. Oh yeah, the Shadow King stuff. Yeah. That stuff is so good. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, so it's it's all good. And the last thing I'm going to talk about is Ryan and I, uh, together, we did something this week, which is we finished Motherland Fort Salem. Woo! This is the one two. piece of entertainment that I did this week that's not a video game. Um, that was that was some finale, man. Yo, that finale is so good. I'm going to get real for a sec. Oh, man. That finale is so good. I don't remember the last time that something hit me so hard in a TV show uh, that made me really, really sad. <laughs> And you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's the death of a character, and it's just it's so unexpected, and it, the way it happens is so traumatic and sad, uh, and it's it's so well done. Uh, and I'm like, oh my god, this is like uh, like this is again like why like when I think of entertainment and how like art can like impact you, I'm like, oh, this is it, this is it, baby. And I'm just so I'm so happy it's getting at least one more season. Yeah. Uh, nobody watches the show, and it makes me sad. Coming coming back for a third and final season, which I'm glad that it's at least getting that. Mm -hmm. Um, it it remains something where I'm like. I want movies. I want comics. comics. I want more shows. Um, there, there's this character on it who is. Uh, we, I'm sure we've made allusion to her before. She is 
the the head of the witches she's been around since the salem witch trials she's essentially like been the general of the military since the 1600s yeah like it's it's wild she's like 500 years old it's wild and uh since the 1700s but um she is this incredibly talented actor who like her body of work and she's an older woman like uh, uh upwards of 40 but like her body of work is so minor and then she just has this like honest to god ic- iconic role breakout performance uh yeah. that is just incredible in the show and the thing that gets me about it is that i'm like man see i want movies and i want like like prequels to this and everything and she's the only actor you have to bring back because she's been there the whole time she's the only one yeah she's been there since the 1700s so she has to be there at all times but it's like man and i want see, that it's so good there's, there's like an iconic painting uh it's like it's like the crossing of the delaware with like george washington like that famous painting but it's her uh being a witch summoning tornadoes behind her uh and i'm like i would 100 percent watch that prequel series of where she's in the revolution helping americans right like that's like the coolest idea ever uh that's and, like, actually, again, like, i, I want to watch that i haven't even seen motherland fort Sam, but i want to see that show now that sounds it's, bitching it's we, pretty bitching yeah We've been tooting this horn the whole time, baby. Like you gotta, oh, you no. gotta watch this show. It's, you, it's you guys sad. have been tooting this horn, Motherland, Fort Salem horn, the same way you've been tooting Fortnite's horn. So I'm pretty sure that the second I finally jump on the Motherland, Fort Salem train, I'm gonna come back here and be like, "Damn it!" And it's so crazy you bring up Fortnite because the main character wears a Superman skin in the final episode. <laughs> you could have said Groot skin, and I would have given you props. Ah, uh, it's the Superman popped <laughs> in my brain. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, but the, the second season ended out in such a incredibly emotional, very strong way. Um, these actors are incredible. This team is incredible. Uh, it's wild that this show exists. It's wild the way this show is heading into a third season, the choices it made. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really great stuff ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, ch- truly, I, I, I struggle to think of a show on Freeform, I think, that has been this solid. Um, that this is this is top tier television every episode it does something where i'm like this is a disney channel show yeah and i'm like i cannot believe it like this is like it's not rated r but like it's it's mature and it does like really like graphic things and like it deals with like serious subject matters and again it's oh my god there's this part where we flash back to uh that character we're talking about her name is general alder um we flash back to her uh in one of the early war days Mm -hmm. and she comes back to her home and uh, a bunch of her sisters have been burned and like she's just in a field of burning witches it is well made like at first we thought oh they're just like propped up i thought they were propped up props yeah on the cross one of them starts moving starts like moving and writhing in pain and i'm like oh my god oh my god disney made this (laughs) really like evocative like imagery um and I'm just like, oh man, it's just like it's cool that this exists. I'm really yeah. happy this that this exists. Anyway, that's that's it's all happened because mm-hmm. I watched this trailer on a lark, and that's why I watch every trailer I can I, just it's in case. So good. Yeah. It's such a good show. Um God, I I'm so happy from for all that that team that they're getting at least one more show. Right. Um I was really nervous we were only gonna get this one season. Yeah. When you said uh uh when you said it's a Disney Channel show, it reminded me for some reason of the uh was old Disney Channel. You're watching Disney Channel, and they do like the, the Mickey Mouse thing. <laughs> yeah. Remembering, thinking like the Mother Life Fort Salem. You're watching the Disney Channel. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's pretty I, good. One, one last thing. Like, uh, we've talked about it before. I know at some point, maybe this season, maybe last season. Um, again, like here's the other thing. Um, it is wild how good this season is. They filmed almost all of this season during the pandemic. 
Yeah, and wow. this season is amazing. It, it is literally no like, different. It's than... so good. There's yeah. one episode, and it's one we've talked about before, which is the one where they do the political rally, and you can really feel oh, it yeah, hurt yeah, okay. by the limitations okay, yeah. on how many people could be there. That's fair, and yeah. it sucks. Um, but I don't blame them for that. But outside of that, like, incredible. Like they they still brought it. Uh, it, it, what what an amazing choice. And um, like the final uh, episode is like a giant battle on campus. But the like last it, yeah. thing I wanted to mention is that like the sound design on the show always has been incredible, continues to be incredible. Um, every time we get introduced to like a new a new branch of how their magic works. So like, because there's different people who understand different languages of which magic because all magic is uh done through like verbal annotations but it's not words it's what they do with like their pitch their tone oh the way they move their voice like one dude sounds like a didgeridoo he literally sounds like a didgeridoo it's amazing and he makes the earth move but like uh the there's the one in the finale we meet uh we finally encounter there's a character who's been there for about a season and a half and we've never heard what their magic sounds like we just know it's very powerful so we don't know what it does and we've never heard what it sounds like and it sounds insane when it finally happens the sound design is so good and she just melts a dude into magma it's yeah. insane like he just like he just like spontaneously combusts in the magma and i'm like oh that's why you don't do that very often because you're insanely powerful yeah yeah that's awesome. Uh, can't can't recommend that show enough. Uh, I think it's exceptional. All twenty episodes, season one, season two, are on Hulu. Go watch it, please. Uh, I'm glad that they announced the third season because I want to try and watch it before that third season drops. Hell yeah, Ryan, you're in the same square. Square time. Um, so I watched Motherland, Fort Salem. That's a show. And then, um, I just mostly played comfort video games all week. Uh, because work's just lame. Um, so I played, I revisited Assassin's Creed Odyssey because that just got a next-gen update. So it got a PS5 update, so, you know, 4K, 60 frames per second. Game looks gorgeous. It always looked gorgeous, but now it looks even better. <clears throat> um, I forgot that, like, how far I was in that game. Like, I already beat it. Uh, but I had, like, a Ghost Rider flaming horse. and had, like, a flaming mace. So I was just going around just killing fools with this Ghost Rider. I'm like, yeah, this game's really cool. Um, I didn't buy the DLC, which I originally was going to because it's not on sale, and it's still like 40 bucks for like a four-year-old game. So I'm going to wait for another sale because it was like a sale like every other week on the PlayStation Store. Uh, so that was fun. Um, I played a little Fortnite. Um, I played a lot of Marvel Ultimate Alliance, and I shouldn't because I'm going to be playing that for my eventual series, but I just really wanted to play it because like it has Ghost Rider in it, and I wanted to do something with Ghost Rider because I've still spent all week reading more Ghost Rider comics. And I want to talk about real quick, not Ghost Rider, I want to talk about Marvel Unlimited and how great of an app it is um, not just because it has every comic you could possibly want from Marvel Unlimited, even three months ago, uh, uh, which is why I'm probably going to cut a lot of books, because I have like 100 books here that I still haven't read. I'm like, if I'm not reading them, I could read them on Marvel Unlimited for 10 bucks a month. Anyway, Marvel Unlimited is great because it has all these comics, but it also breaks them down into series. So, right, I'm, I want to read Ghost Rider. Okay, here's a 1973 Ghost Rider. Here's a 1990 Ghost Rider. It could break it down by character. Okay, do I want uh, uh, Danny Ketch or do I want Johnny Blaze? It also breaks it down by appearance. So, so I've read all Ghost Rider's main series, but like it's going to be impossible for me to just find like, oh, he's in X-Men 157 or something. They list every single Ghost Rider appearance in order too. So after I read every series, I pick up X-Men 15.1, which is a point one issue that the Marvel did in the, in the 2000s, which was really stupid. But it's the Lady Ghost Rider Alejandra Jones, and she's got the Maleve armor, and she's hanging out with the Genesis X-Men. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is great. Marvel Unlimited is such a great app for just randomly picking comics. They have a randomized button where you can pick one of like the 30,000 comics. And I do that all the time just to pick something. And a lot of times they're bad, but a lot of times they're good. Uh, I just think it's a great app and I'm so thankful. 
uh, because Ghost Rider is a character who doesn't have as many appearances as you think for how prevalent he is in media. He has more movies than, than other characters, but like honestly, Danny Ketch has a has like a hundred issues max. Uh, and I'm like, yo, that's. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, oh my god, now I want to collect every single issue of Danny Ketch because he rules. Uh, so now I'm gonna start going to Frankenstein's fan. So if you want to hit me up, I'm in collector mode. I'm in collector mode. Matt, well, Matt I'll, I'll be hit. Yeah, good. I'll be. I'm more of a. I'm more of a Phantom Rider, Carter Slade kind of guy, so, you know. Yeah, he he's old, and they retconned him to be Ghost Rider. It's interesting, because he was, Phantom Rider is like an old, old, like, you know, like old school character that they repurposed for new stuff. Well, he was he was Ghost Rider, and then they did Johnny Blaze, and then they were like, eh, same thing. Yes, yeah, but yeah. he wasn't, it's not the same thing. They, they yeah. retconned it, much like the Charlatan characters and all that stuff with DC. Um, yeah. But yeah, Ghost Rider is just... Really cool. And then, like, you know, we had that Midnight Suns uh, uh, announcement this week, which we talked about in a GamesCon episode, which will come oh, yeah. out soon. GamesCon episode out tomorrow. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of games that got announced. But, yeah, mm. um, it's just such a good time to be a Ghost Rider fan because, like, a lot of it's coming back up, coming coming up Millhouse, baby. Uh, I think that's it. I'm probably, I probably did a little stuff. Did but... you uh, play another Marvel game that just came out? I, I don't know. It's on your phone. <laughs> oh, I sure did. Yeah, Marvel Future Revolution. I, I played it for like two hours. Yeah, thank you for reminding me. You're um, welcome. That is without a doubt the best looking phone game I've ever played. That straight up looks like, <clears throat> like not not PS5 quality yet, but like that that could be a PS4 game that they ported to the phone you could, and I, I would believe it. Um, It's it's insane. It has great customization. It's got all the customization that I want from Marvel's Avengers, which is like, you know, the, the game I play all the time. Um, but it's like a big multiverse story. It's about secret wars. It's about one planet and how every hero lives on this planet. So that's why there's a bunch of them. Uh, great customization. You can play a Storm uh, and she has all the great looks. Uh, great, really great game. Really well written. Great, great uh, cutscenes. Uh, I definitely recommend you guys download it and at least play like the first level because it's like a big Avengers story. Like it's it's excellent. Like it's truly like high quality shit. And then the rest of the game's like mobile game, you know, mm -hmm. stuff. But like that first the first level is like Mwah! it's like incredible. Thank you. Did you play Wakanda Forever? Yeah, that came out weeks ago. I already talked about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Couldn't remember. Yep. Uh, ben, do you want to go next? <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Blah, blah. Uh so speaking of video games, I also beat a video game this week. I beat uh Metroid uh, Samus Returns on my 3DS. So now I am two games behind getting ready for Metroid Dread, and I started playing uh, Super Metroid this week, and or not this week, I started playing it last night, and man, that game is still really, really good. It, and this is the first time I've ever played Super Metroid, and a lot of the times where I see vi uh, YouTubers and retro gamers talk about Super Metroid, they put Super Metroid like higher than Super Mario World. To them, that's like the best game on Super Nintendo, bar none. And to to be perfectly honest, going into it, I was a little nervous because after everyone would, I would say, overhype Super Mario 64 for me, I love Super Mario 64, but I have a little a few more problems with it than, say, someone who grew up with it. Playing Super Metroid, I'm like, man, this game is really, really good. There are a few gripes, but it's just, it's gripes of the time. Like, um, the in, in Super Metroid, there's an ability that Samus has where you wall jump, where you can jump from wall to wall. It's... Real, unless you're a speedrunner, you've been playing this game since the 1994 when the game first came out. It's really easy to do, but for me, I still just can't um, really nail it. There are times I do nail it. There are times where it just won't freaking go, and it sucks, and it hurts my thumb. I'm trying to push on the D-pad so I can go one way, but I'm going the opposite direction. And there are times where the platforming is a little bit stiff, but once again, it's 1994. I can forgive that. But besides that, everything about this game, the atmosphere, the combat is gorgeous. 
so yeah, my brain I, is working overtime to try to put D-pad and the platform is stiff into a dick joke. <laughs> Please don't. Sorry, Ben. It's all right. Uh, so yeah, I did that. Um, I recorded another episode of Basement Arcade Pause Menu with my friend Allie. That should be coming up after Howard Scott Warshaw's. The reason why I brought that up is because time zones suck. For her, it was 7 o'clock in the evening. But she lives in Australia, so for me, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, right when I got home from work. And it's a great episode. Can't wait for that to go up. But uh, yeah, that was fun. And uh, you guys are also going to be happy. I finally started reading Dune this week. Oh, good. I'm not super far, but I started reading it. I'm try- I'm going to try and get a, a whole... But definitely, well, obviously, I'm gonna get that done before our deadline when the movie comes out. But I'm gonna try and get books read, or at least like a few chapters of Dune read a night, maybe some books read another night, and then just like alternate that because I too have a big ass stack of comics. You got like almost two months, Ben. You don't have to read like a chapter every single night. Like, you got, well, you I got want time. To. Well, I know, okay, I, but I want to. Cool. Like, today it was like because you know, my weekends are kind of. I'm still kind of stu- stuffed on the weekends. I have stuff to prepare for the show. Also, I got house chores. I got other stuff. And like last night, I was like, you know what? I finally have some time myself. I'm going to play Metroid. And then it was it turned into 4 o'clock in the morning. I was like, I should probably go to bed right now. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, did I do it? No, I did what if. We did Gamescom. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, started, I finished Metroid and started Super Metroid. Now I have, once I beat Super Metroid, I got one more game left. And then I'm ready for dread. Got to play soup. You got to play Metroid Other M. No, no. Uh, because you were you talked about games. I actually forgot to bring this up last week, but I completed Lego Marvel Super Heroes 100. percent Nice. Um, I'm very excited about that because I I got all the characters and all the gold bricks, and I was like, why am I still 99.8 percent? What the what hell? Was that, what was the point two that you were missing? I'm very curious. I was missing. The regular Grandmaster, because I had oh, the Ragnarok oh. Grandmaster, but I didn't have the regular one. And what you do to get him? So what you have to do is you have to go. So there are um, uh, uh, there are battle arenas separate from the game that you can do. You have to complete one, and you mm-hmm. unlock the Grandmaster. Oh, easy. So I was like, oh shit, okay, got to do that. So I did that, and uh, it was a little weird. But I did it, and I got it, and I was very excited. Because I was like, yay, look at all these characters. I got Ghost Rider, I got Phantom Rider, I got Grandmaster, I got Aunt May. I got Aunt May? Wow. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's a multiversal story, so there's a lot of really fun characters. And I unlocked a, a ton. Uh, having Sparky and Cosmo together was really fun. Because Cosmo doesn't do anything, but Sparky does. No. Um, what if that doesn't make sense? Cosmo has been a guardian for like a decades. Yeah, but it, they can't, they don't have, there's no like, um, oh, you know what? He can do like mental things. Like he can move things with his mind. I was going to say, he's got powers. <laughs> yeah. um, but and, but Cosmo can like fly and shoot lasers. And, uh, Sparky. I said that, right? Whatever. Sparky can shoot lasers, got it. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of really cool like characters and whatnot. That was the more fun thing for me to do. The gold bricks were difficult. Mostly because the puzzles in the Lego open worlds are frustrating to me. They're just kind of like, gotta do this talk show where you get a seashell, gotta get a lot of seashells. And I'm like, I don't want to get your fucking seashells. <laughs> well, you want that 100%, so you do, actually. I, I did want that 100%, so I finally I did it. 
completed all the levels, got the extra levels that came with the movies. Uh, so now I feel like I'm prepared for Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Same franchise, uh, makes sense. Well, no, because I've never completed one of these Lego games 100%. I only completed the, the earlier ones because all you have to do is collect all the things within the levels. Yeah, they're not now open you, world. Yeah. Now that you have an open world to do like races and puzzles and things like that. And that's, I just found that frustrating for so long. I never did the Lord of the Rings ones or the Hobbit ones. I just, I just didn't. I just played the levels, stopped playing. Yeah. So I wanted to prepare myself for that kind of open world again. So I, I chose Lego Marvel because it was, it had Kang and I was in a Kang mood. Yeah. Gotcha. So I did that. Um, I watched the, speaking of Star Wars, actually, I watched the, uh, Disney gallery Mandalorian, uh, documentary that dropped, uh, Wednesday, I believe it was, mm-hmm. um, which is all about the finale of the Mandalorian and, and spoiler alert, Luke. Um, and how they brought Luke back and they used Mark Hamill and the double they used for Mark Hamill and the technology they used to bring him back and make him younger. Uh, Filoni made the internet very angry today, even though this interview has been out for a couple of days, uh, when he was like, Ahsoka uh, is Luke Sr. as far as uh, lightsaber uh, combat goes. And everyone's like, no, she's not. Luke's better at lightsabers. And I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. See, I just avoid that altogether because who cares? Yeah, I mean, seriously, who cares? Um, but what Filoni was talking about was, I thought, really cool um, with the Luke, uh, and, like, tupping down all the all the things. He was like, we wanted to make sure he got better, but not too much better because nobody's training him in lightsaber combat. So he's doing the same lightsaber moves he did in Return of the Jedi, but nothing too crazy like we see with Ahsoka. Um but he's more powerful with the force, so he was doing force stuff. So, you know, it's cool. I found it to be really candid, surprisingly. Um, John Favreau was very um, just a personal with uh, what the with what he was talking about, like the responsibilities of bringing back Luke, how they thought about how they had it in the scripts in season one, um, the struggles with the technology they had to bring him back. Um, I appreciate documentaries like that, and I like to highlight them because. Too often, especially with Disney, we get like the the candy coated ones. Like everything was fine, and we w- thought this would be cool, so we did that, and we thought this would be cool, so we did that. Uh, and all too rarely, we see the the ones where they talk about like struggling to bring something to the screen and the pitfalls of it, and whether or not it was the right choice or not. I I thought that was really good. It's mo- it's mostly it's like oh yeah, it was so easy. We were able to do this. You know, it was like the, you're like you said, they candy coat it instead. I like how. I like it when docu- when documentaries be like, "Yo, this was hard. This, yeah, this, doing getting this end result worth it." But the way we got there sucked. The Marvel yeah, TV it, shows are like that. Well, specifically the Loki one. I found the Falcon Winter Soldier one to be to be better. The Loki one really pissed me off because you film ninety percent of that in a pandemic and you don't mention the pandemic once. And you're just like, "We had this idea, so we did that." It's the same yeah. thing with the Rise of Skywalker one. I hate that. I hate that one too because it's just like, we had an idea for this scene, so here's how we did that scene cool and then this scene and then this scene and then this scene well at least with that one you know like they couldn't really tell you what happened because no, that's true get mad about all the different versions that definitely got messed around with before they came out with the final product that half the population doesn't like yeah um but anyway so that was good i recommend it it's, it's good uh even if you don't like you know i don't like the decision to bring luke back so at least so soon or as mark hamill um but i really enjoyed that documentary I recommend it. 
Um, I watched... Eh, I'll do this one. I watched The Scorpion King for the first time. I've never seen it before. Really? Uh, yeah. Dwayne well, Johnson. Are you talking about the, the Mummy Scorpion King or The Rock Scorpion King? The Rock That's Scorpion the movie, King. The movie oh. called The Scorpion King. What do you mean? I mean, technically he said the same thing. Because uh, The Mummy Returns is the mummy... Is, is the one where he shows up as a scorpion. No, I know, but that's called The Mummy Returns. It's not called yeah. Scorpion yeah. So I watched The Scorpion King, the first Dwayne Johnson. Uh, well, the first Scorpion King movie. And the yeah. only one with Dwayne Johnson. Mm -hmm. There's like, um, what, six of them? I I was kind of, when, the, when it started, I realized how much how much lower the budget was compared to the Mummy movies. Mm. Um, and I was like, okay. So it's lower budget. Okay, cool. And then there's kind of a fun action sequence. I was like, okay, so we're we're kind of goofing around in this movie. All right, so we're, I'm not taking this as seriously as I would uh, as I would the Mummy or Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever. And then it just got worse. And then it just kept getting worse. It was not good. Yeah. Um, I I'm confused by the decision. To, to make the story about a heroic Scorpion King. And I, because there's nothing in the movie that would lead you to, to be like, okay, so this is the dude who tries to destroy Egypt and then is like, I'm going to make a pact with Anubis by eating a scorpion and then become a weird scorpion hybrid monster. There's I nothing. The idea, the idea was that it, this was going to be a franchise that leads to him, how he got there, I think. Well, and even even beyond that, like the Mummy King, sorry, Jesus, <laughs> the Mummy King opening uh, is all about how he was this hero of the people, his mm -hmm. people. That's how what they thought of him. And then they black he, they went into a fight he couldn't win, and out of desperation he made a deal with Anubis, mm -hmm. but and then became a slave to Anubis. So it's supposed to be a tragedy fall of like this heroic figure Darth but, the, but the scorpion king movie is the tale of how he became hero of the people yeah, scorpion I see. King. that's Not why good. they made something yeah they made a lot uh a lot of deep straight to dvd sequels ben you are right there's like five straight to dvd sequels with a new mma wrestler every time that's the guy yep uh and i watched all of those too no i didn't i don't i'm not doing that i a couple years ago a couple years ago, I was going to make like a video essay of like, I'm just going to watch all these movies and see what's up. And then I realized like, I don't need to do that. Yeah, I, I like my time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I rewatched the first Candyman film. Uh, we discussed it um, in October on this show. <clears throat> and uh, Zara hadn't seen it. Uh, and going into this new one, I wanted to make sure that she had saw at least the first one. Um, so watch that. Great movie. Everything I said still stands. Uh, I watched The Green Knight. I went to theaters, finally watched The Green Knight. Good movie. Um, don't have much to say on that one. Uh, what could you say, honestly? I don't know. What could you say? Apparently, well, it's good movie. Freaking out. Yeah. What did you say? I told you this after we came out of it. Yeah. Apparently, big people freak me out. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's something weird about... I get it. Like, There's something weird about... Um, unnatural about those giants, which I think helps... Well, I was uh, saying... Because I, I was saying, like... When on when on Attack on Titan first came out, some of that early stuff really gets me mm -hmm. because yeah. it's so uncomfortable. And I've seen digital artists who are like making animation projects. You'll see things like this on like 
cell phone videos and and things like that that they'll repost of their animation projects yeah but a lot of people were inspired by attack on titan because they're like coming out of like they're heading into college so what one of the big things they were watching were influenced by was attack on titan so their animation projects are these things of like pov of you driving in a car down a road and, and a titan like a, a big yeah. naked person's foot just steps over and you're like swerve and then you turn and there's just a huge head and i'm like there is something uncomfortable there's about a that viral video there's a viral video going around on twitter right now it's an old video but it's two it's two avas fighting in like a, a, on a in front of a highway and guys just driving and in the what would you do if you saw this and then yeah i saw that none of my business i've seen that video circle uh circularly inquire around i was like man i know ryan has seen this but every time i see it, it's like man ryan would appreciate this yeah but I've, I've seen a few of those animation projects where they're very specifically inspired by attack on titan they're yeah. big big naked people and yeah, i've seen like, something really uh, brandon, unnerving footage now brandon you sent me a real one time of this giant head of eating a camera like mm -hmm. eating you when you're holding this camera and uh well, i did not appreciate cool. that what'd you say sparks no, no i didn't say anything. how could you, <laughs> you do this to us what did you say watch the rewind <laughs> no it won't, it won't pick up because ben ben talked over it it's best that it doesn't <laughs> um yeah good movie enjoyed it um that's my week beautiful shall we get into our news then let's do it i'm always ready we got some sad news up top yeah we do um charlie watts okay hey, good job um the strummer for the rolling stones passed away this week at the age of 80 yep uh this one hurt i mean it didn't hurt as much for me as uh, eddie van halen's death last year but um i mm -hmm. did see him i saw the stones live in 2006 at dodger stadium and it was an amazing show any for me, just a chance to see any version of the Rolling Stones because we, we all know how how much it's a miracle that Keith Richards and uh, uh, Mick Jagger are still alive and walking around today after all the substance abuse they went through back in the sixties and seventies. Real quick, I want to tell you a Keith Richards story, and I don't know if this is true, but I heard it on a podcast. Keith Richards was so rich and he was so um, so high all the time that his blood was so toxic that he actually went to Europe because he couldn't do this in America. He went to Europe and he had all of his blood taken out and, and replaced with new blood. And it was only something that he can afford to do in Europe. Uh, that's why he's alive because he's replaced his body multiple times. I believe it. Those rich people I are crazy. Richard, the closest thing to a living vampire. For real. <laughs> uh, you, you know what? With Keith Richards, I can 100% believe that. Oh, yeah. It's like the same with the Steven Tyler. He, I, I remember he was on, I think it was James Gordon. He said he's like snorted half of Peru back in the 70s when he was super big on cocaine. But we're not talking about him. We're talking about Charlie. Um, an amazing drummer for the Rolling Stones. Like every time I hear the opening drum beats for Symphony of the Devil or my one of my favorite songs of all time, Gimme Shelter, is just, mm -hmm. there are so many banger Rolling Stones songs. I mean, 80 is not a bad, uh, it's a still a good long life, especially what he did because he was part of one of the most popular bands in the entire world for so long. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it sucks that he's gone, but damn, what a legacy has he left. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then just today, it's reported that Ed Asner, actor, such a long history of work, large body of work, um, wonderful man, wonderful actor, passed away at the age of 91. Yeah, this was wild uh, that it came 
days after they release like the first trait like a wide trailer footage for the Doug days oh yeah coming to oh, Disney yeah. plus yeah um, yeah because he's Carl mm-hmm is I didn't watch that is he in it yeah oh cool. he's playing Carl in okay. it yeah mm-hmm. here that, that'll be the last time he plays Carl yeah I just um, didn't know if like if it was just Doug or not yeah yeah he he is um we saw a little bit of it uh during the Disney um conference thing that they did last year uh and he was in that um so yeah uh wild so i i think that i think that is his final performance uh he's got his his imdb page has a lot of things coming out soon i don't know how much of it he filmed though yeah so i don't know right working working into his 90s what a guy yeah and he just posted on twitter these lists just recently he was like hey doing great guys you know be cool he passed away in his sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he had a big, big career. So, yeah, I mean, Living at least, legend. yeah, at least it was peaceful. But all I know is that the next time I watch up that the wedding scene, the the time, the first five minutes. I mean, it's already sad as to begin with. It's gonna be even more sad now knowing double, that he's double sad, gone. I will always remember him as the voice of Granny Goodness. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! That's right. Also, yeah. the voice of J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Also, Perry was, White. Hold on, hold on. Also, what is the voice of J. Jonah Jameson? Spider-Man. The, the animated 90s cartoon. Do you hear, seriously, that was him? Yep. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. And uh, Perry White in All-Star Superman. Yep. Damn. Yeah, yeah he, he had like a, a, a like career resurgence as a voice actor mm-hmm. uh, uh, in his like 70s. And it's just like, how cool is that? Like, yeah. that's, that's amazing. I never knew um, that he was JJJ. So, like... Oh my gosh! So that's probably him at the uh, at Universal Studios of Florida. There's a Spider-Man ride there with that has oh. the animated voice actors. So that's probably it him as J. Jonah Jameson. Holy shit! Yeah, that's it cool. might I be. I've never been there. Oh man! Yeah, huge body of work. Um, yeah. Acting since the '40s, the '30s, or something like that. Too um, much acting. Yeah, too. <laughs> you loved it. Yeah, you I mean, loved it. He loved what he truly did. So he's like, yeah, I'm not going to retire. It was like, but you're 80. So. Yeah. Well, sad. Nonetheless, 91 though. That's not a bad way to go him. out. What? I just looked it up. It's not him. It's, it's, oh. he's did something. It's, it's Chris Edgerly. No, no, no. For the ride. Oh, Florida. for the ride. Oh, okay. For yeah. the ride in Florida. It's Got not it. him. It's Chris, it's Chris Edgerly, uh, as Peter Parker and as J. Jonah Jameson. What a get for that guy. They, they didn't want to pay anybody. <laughs> Uh, yeah, ninety uh, one's not not a bad age to go out on. It's not. He there's tons of really really hilarious interviews over the last just couple decades of Ed Asner. Uh, check them out. Uh, I retweeted one where he talks about pissing on someone. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, what a guy. Uh, the one that I've seen floated around that I really like is like, "Hi, I'm Ed Asner." Takes out knife. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. Good sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Funny guy. All right. Uh, yeah, he started on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Um, he, he's huge on that on that show. He's a great com- comedian. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, off of that, then. Um, off of that, then. Cobra Kai was renewed for a fifth season ahead of its season four premiere. Holy shit. That started as a YouTube show. Yeah, it did. It did. Good for that show, man. Yeah. Uh, I knew the, the whole... The contingency when when the showrunners were like, we're going to leave YouTube and go to Netflix was the deal was that Netflix was going to give them a fourth season because YouTube wasn't willing. Uh, They're like, we're going to cancel you after three. But Netflix was like, we'll give you the fourth season. 
Beautiful. Um, and so I thought that when they gave him the fourth season, that would be it. Because Netflix doesn't like to continue shows much much past three. Yeah. But it's it's doing numbers for Netflix. Yeah, it is. And I'm sure it's not that expensive because considering it started as a YouTube show, right? Yeah, and you can definitely see um, there was a a production. Uh, the, the the budget was higher in season three. I can only imagine what that production budget looks like in season four. It looked just like a movie. It looked great. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I do people... think that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, people people are like. The show keeps getting more popular. They're getting Hillary Swank back, no doubt. There's 100%. no way they're not getting Hillary. Oh yeah, no way. One hundred percent. They they when they made the move to Netflix, they made it clear that Karate Kid Four was canon to the Cobra Kai verse, nice. or the Miyagi verse, as they call it. And I was like, they 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 think Netflix can get them Hillary Swank. One hundred percent. Season five, like that. That's that's prime time. You're at season five on Netflix. Oh yeah. Yeah, and they already got um, Elizabeth Shue in season three. Yeah, beautiful. So good for her. Uh, okay, and they got the guy, the guy who, who played um, bad guy in season and episode and movie three. The the dude with the ponytail. He's coming back in season four. Bad boy. So, uh, mother, as we talked about in the beginning, Motherland for Salem was renewed for a third and final season. Great that they got another season. Sad that it's the last one. Yeah. Glad that they know that it's the last one. Still, so, still really bummed that yeah. it's like the last one. I'm super glad that it's not a make season three and then get canceled, so like they can actually properly end it the way they want to. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely in that boat. Um, it's just it, it. It's also the kind of thing where like I hope that they end the story for these characters in a satisfying way, but I hope that they don't like close the book on like, open ended enough on the on the world because I'm like yeah I want them to leave that door open yeah yeah totally I want this world to be revisited yeah. Uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is getting a new adaptation in the form of Nautilus. Ooh. Disney Plus is developing a new 10-part live-action series based on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which will be written and executive produced by James Dormer. Which I, I don't know what he's done before. James Dormer? I don't know. I got Not Jamie Dornan. That's who I was thinking in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, he hasn't done... I don't... I didn't see a lot of things that we would have recognized him from, so I didn't put it there, but uh, yeah. cool. Did um, they I mean, ride the submarines at Disneyland before they turned it into Finding Nemo? Because I went on it like once, and it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time. I think I think the last time we had like a big time Nautilus was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen 20 years ago. Yep. So I think it's ripe, ripe for a new uh, a new league. Well, when, was when was the Journey 2? When was Journey 2? Journey 2 Nautilus? Yes, it does. Wow, I didn't see that movie. That's crazy. <laughs> That's fair. That's crazy. In the in Atlantis, the Lost Empire, do they call that ship the Nautilus, or is it just like the ship? It's just a ship. Okay. It's a submarine. The shipless. I want Nicolas Cage to play Captain Nemo. That'd be oh so. Oh my sick. god! Yes. That'd be that'd be Joe change so, production. So that doesn't come from nowhere. Uh, <laughs> when he was doing press stuff for Mandy, he was asked a question: "What is like the one role you want?" to be able to do before you leave the Captain story. Nemo. And he said that the number one role was 100% Captain Nemo. He wants to play a man obsessed with the sea. I love it. Uh, I I want that for him. I doubt this is the project that's going to do it. <laughs> Probably. That'd be what really cool, is, though. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. A24 is Nautilus. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Got some Castlevania news. Ooh. Ooh. As we know that... Uh, Fourth and final season 
has aired and they're entering into a new spinoff. Mm-hmm. And I just thought this was interesting, so I put it in here. Adi Shankar, um, producer of Dread and Castlevania, uh, the showrunner for Castlevania, um, is suing Kevin Cold, uh, who is the executive producer of Castlevania and the upcoming show. Oh. Um, for the for the upcoming spinoff, Adi Shankar uh, claims uh, they had a verbal agreement um, that Shankar would be given creative approval of any spinoffs, mm. and this guy went ahead without him. Sounds like a lawsuit to me. Does indeed. Yeah, I, I thought this was really interesting because I I had assumed that when Netflix uh, went forward with the spinoff idea, it was to leave Warren Ellis behind and keep everyone else. That's what that's what we all assumed. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's weird because honestly, like you could have just kept calling it Castlevania with a colon something else. Yeah, and that's the yeah. spinoff. Yeah. yeah, like Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yeah, like whatever, I really, yeah. uh, honest to God, like having seen the end of the fourth season, I and knowing like who is the main person for the next for this spinoff series, I'm like that's just season five. Yeah, it's just season five. Yeah. Well, it's Adi Shankar agrees with you, so he's missed. Lawsuit, so I guess, you know, whatever. I don't know. I'm not jazzed about the future of that show right now. So, yeah. oh, Ryan, which Castlevania yeah. game has you play as Richter? Uh, there's a lot, man. I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah, that's all I wanted to talk about. I just thought that was interesting. No, yeah, I didn't I didn't see that. That's That that means, that, yeah, uh, going over the guy who, like, helped create that series is really weird. That's kind of yeah. weird to me. Yeah. He's a showrunner of the, of the first show. Like I understood wanting to, to wanting to split from Warren Ellis, yeah. But I wasn't. I, I'm confused why you want to split from Adi Shankar. It makes me right. makes me wonder if Adi Shankar is okay with Warren Ellis. <laughs> I definitely hope it's not that. Yeah, that's, a good that's point. I definitely I don't want to think about that one. Uh, ben, yes, one of your favorite books, Salem's Lot, is uh, getting a adaptation um as you know i'm sure uh because gary gary doberman um from the annabelle movies and uh, and it and it um another one of your favorites uh ben uh is doing um this adaptation well anyway um you'll be excited to know that lewis pullman who is the son of bill pullman uh has been cast as uh ben mears uh, who discovers his hometown of Jerusalem's lot is being victimized by vampires. But you, you know that. Can you repeat? Is this a movie or a TV show? It's a movie. Okay. Because we, we have that Jerusalem's lot TV show coming out. Chapel soon. Mm-hmm. Chapel Wait, yeah. It's just so funny that like, oh, we're now we're just going to make the sequel, but it's not tied to that thing. Like, yeah. Oh, it's just all over the place. <laughs> it's so, it, it remains, and I know this is true of our friend Matt, like it remains so frustrating that um, the obvious like cinematic universe project you it's should be Stephen doing King. is the Stephen King <laughs> yes. works, and it's just never going to happen. It's never going to take off. Dark Tower because you need the Dark like... Tower at the center of it. But yep. even then, all of the rights to all of them would have to be under one studio umbrella for them to get on board with it. Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, but they're not. Like yeah. other people, like the, those rights are all over the place. So, yeah. yeah. Epics, Sony, everyone. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's really exciting. Uh, ben, have you, you've read Salem's Lot, right? No. Oh, well, no, he's only read the prequel. Uh, it's a short story, I understand. A short story, yeah. Novella. Um, yeah. Ben, ben prefers his king horror in bite sizes. Yeah. 
Makes sense. It's a vampire joke. I get it. It's been a while since we've done this bit. Oh, there was a funny joke in uh, there's a joke in Ducktales um, where where some a character's name was Poe and he got turned into a raven, and I started laughing, <laughs> and, and I started laughing laughing, and Zara was like, "What's so funny?" Uh... <laughs> anyway. I, I genuinely long to outlive Ben by like a week just to ensure that after he passes, I can make sure there's a plaque put up that says, Stephen "Here King. lies Stephen King's best friend." <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping uh, that we'll get 102, now. so you're going to have to be at like 102 plus a few weeks, my friend. Yeah. Oh, bold, Ben, bold. <laughs> I want to uh, be 100 years old. I'm sorry. Oh, sure you are. We're all going to live to 100 in this generation. 100%. Yeah, the way the Earth's I going. Said I want you, bet. To. you bet. I, I said I, I, I want think... to live to over 100. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't know when the fuck I'm going to die. All his tombs on his tombstone. It'll say, here lies Stephen King's best friend. And then just a little sonic spin dashing in grayscale. I just need to make... I just Because there's going to be gifts. There's going to be gifts on, on tombstones. Oh my god, that's the future. future. Hell yeah. yeah. Oh shit, that's well, actually funny you should mention that. So in Japan, um, sorry, quick tangent. I just found this out. In Japan, there's um, recently when people have passed away, they started putting QR codes on the headstones. So if you scan the QR code, it gives um, you a, a bio and what this what the deceased person did in their life. I guess, but isn't that what a tombstone is? Like beloved father and husband. No, 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 no. It's it like gives you like it's like hey, in like, like an obituary. No, but I don't, I don't need that. I don't think. Um, what am I doing in a graveyard? Yo, this one was a fireman. Like, like well, well, in 10 years, I'll attach a game to it. Oh, like mo- movie. Yeah. All right. The Lion King prequel is still happening from oh, Disney. Oh, no. This oh. is the prequel to the 2019 Lion King, not oh. the not the 93. Four. No. Was it 93 or 94? Sparks. 94, Lion King. What? When did Lion King come out? 94? Uh, yes. Yes. That sounds. You right. better know this. I I don't know it for sure. I'm not Look it up. Um, well, anyway, uh, as we know, Barry Jenkins uh, has been tapped to direct this film, um, but now they've cast Mufasa and Taka. Uh, Aaron. Yeah, 1994. Oh. Uh, Aaron Pierre from the Underground Railroad, uh, another Barry Jenkins film. Uh, has been cast as Mufasa, and Kelvin Harrison Jr. from The Trial of the Chicago 7 has been cast as Taka. If you don't know who Taka is, that's Scar. That's his original I name. I do like that they're calling him Taka. Young Scar. His name means trash. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> if you were going to say it, I was. Uh, yeah. I, I do think that's cool that that dumb f- freaking children's book is still canon today. His name was trash. Uh, this film is also going to be written by Jeff Nathanson who also wrote the 2019 film cool I'm so not interested I mean can you even say that because did he yeah he definitely copied and pasted did he just just punch up the 1994 script and then then they not get paid for it punch up yeah and uh, and added a half hour it's like you know what the script needs another half an hour. I'm gonna just add some, you know, you know what? We need to see Simba's hair 
that majestic scene when it goes from the the planes after the scene with Mufasa to Rafiki, and that needs to be in some shit. I need to. I need Man, to I'm see. Having, it. I'm having an aneurysm. We can't talk about Lion King anymore. <laughs> oh, I can't man. do it. I forgot about I, that. I, I, the less I think about that movie, the better. I will be open to the potential for this to be good if the story is good, because this is a story they that they are crafting more from. So we'll maybe, maybe anything can be good. I'm not optimistic. Magic the Gathering. Yo, uh, though, real quick, though. If they make Lion Guard canon too, which means that Scar was at one point imbued with the power of the of the roar, mm-hmm. where it's basically a superpower. <laughs> I'm a little more interested. I got a feeling they're not gonna do something like, cool like we that. We made this hyper-realistic movie to give lions superpowers. <laughs> Wait, but why is the prequel movie they have powers if they don't have it in them when they're adults? Because because he was the the younger sibling. And as the younger sibling, he becomes the leader of the Lion Guard. So he gets the gift of the power. I, and then he abused it, so it was taken away God, from him. I so don't care. I'm sorry. And then there wasn't a Lion Guard until Mufasa's youngest, right? Simba's youngest. Simba's if I ever youngest. have kids, maybe I'll give it a shot. I'm, I'm sorry, it's not for me. Because Simba was an only child. Well, yeah. Nala. Simba was an what? only boy child. <laughs> yeah. Can we not? I think I'm going to have that aneurysm that Ryan's about to have. This is how I feel when people talk about things I'm not interested in. I get that when I'm talking about like Ghost Rider or something, I get it. Uh, I like it when you talk about Ghost Rider. Magic the Gathering, though. Yes. Um, as you know, there is an animated series coming to Netflix. Oh, uh, yeah. Already. That the Russo brothers are no longer a part of. What? Oh, no. Uh, the Russo brothers left the project. Jeff Klein and Steve Melching have replaced them. Um, but the news this week was that Brandon Routh has been cast as Gideon Jura Ooh. in uh, the upcoming series. That's a planeswalker. I have a planeswalker card. Of, I have a deck that's all about Gideon. Ooh, okay. You got a I'm big Gideon it. deck. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. Uh, I'm Brandon, excited for this. Yeah. Brandon Routh, I like him a lot. He said, uh, Gideon is known for being the strong guy who always stands up for what's right. Just and isn't afraid to fight. I'm glad because yeah. w- when um, the Magic the Gathering comic was announced months ago, uh, like Magic is something that like I've played for years, but like again, I don't know anything about the lore, and I like that like they're trying to push to like make it an actual universe. Like they seem like Magic's been around for so long, but they never really had like a main uh, uh, an entertainment push like this. So like I'll give it a shot. You know, Magic's cool. Playing Swap. I bought every time I go to the store, they have the, the the comic book of Magic the Gathering, but they also have the hidden planeswalker variants, mm-hmm. which is the, of course the ones I've been picking up. Uh, my first one was the vampire, the vampire from Innistrad. I, I forget his name, but it's a cool looking cover. And actually, the book itself is very interesting. I really liked it. It's I'm like, this is neat. You got you got gills that they gotta band together because someone's trying to kill them. And I am really looking forward to reading that second issue and buying the rest. Mm-hmm. Love it. Nice. Magic cool. Uh, Star Trek Prodigy was in the news this week uh, because it announced its villains. Uh, It has cast its villains in John Noble and Jimmy Simpson. I love Uh, Jimmy Simpson. Yeah. Um, Noble Noble will play the Diviner and Simpson will play his minion Dreadnought. Uh, They rule the mining asteroid of of Tars Lamora in a merciless quest to locate the USS Protostar, 
the mysteriously abandoned experimental Federation starship at the center of the show. So, sure, it's uh, not Tars Tarkus. It's not. Bummer. Who's Why do I know that? John Carter. Oh. Oh the yeah. Ba- the bassoon. The badoon. Uh, like hey, movie. both of these are terrific actors. Good, yeah. good for the show. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to the show. Oblivion Song. Uh, if you guys don't remember Oblivion Song, it's Robert Kirkman's comic book. I read that first issue. It was fine. I read that first issue too, and I, and I will agree. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, though, has been cast as Nathan Cole uh, in the starring role of the Robert Kirkman adaptation. I do like Jake Gyllenhaal a lot. Yeah. I bet I will like this more as a movie than a comic. I can imagine. Yeah, I... I, I'm far more willing to, to 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 give it a shot. Something about Kirkman's writing doesn't really do it for me. His current stuff, I'm loving Invincible, um, but for what I can't get into is the the stuff he's been doing lately. I don't know why. Have you not Real have you checked out Firepower? Firepower, so, no, yeah. I haven't yet. That's, so Jackson, that's in the chat, yeah, Jackson, the chats uh, wants to say nice John Carter reference. Nice. Yeah, uh, uh, Firepower. Uh, I'm not caught up, but that's just Dragon Ball Z. But with like, with, it's pretty cool. Oh, cool! Chris yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd, pro- I'd probably enjoy that then. Yeah. Um, but I, I tried Outcast and I, I liked Outcast, but I, could, I didn't keep up with it. I wanted to see the show. Um, and the Living a Song was just show's great. Man, I hate that that show wasn't like easily accessible to watch uh, mm-hmm. after the first season. Like they they put it on like more and more like strange channels and networks and not widely available in the United States. And I'm like, I just want to watch the rest of that show because that first season was good. It was good. Yeah, I, I heard you talking about it. I remember. Yeah, I really liked that first season, and I liked that comic. Uh, I thought it was such a good adaptation. And it's I'm almost like, like a like a one to one. It's very good. Yeah, I think it had three seasons, and second and third seasons, like they, you just without piracy, there was no good way to watch it in the United States, and the piracy even was like the crappiest quality yeah. of, of piracy. And I'm like, man, this is like, let me have it. This sucks. <laughs> like, where is the <laughs> show? I want to watch it. <laughs> Um, for those of you who don't know, by the way, Oblivion Song is about uh, the city of Chicago um, is transported to another reality. Uh, and then 10 years later, we follow Nathan Cole as he's going back and forth from that reality to ours, trying to find uh, survivors and mostly his family. Cool. A cool premise. Um, the, the issue, the art's really great. It's just like. It, it, it wasn't enough for the first issue to keep me going. The thing, yeah. the thing that got me about Outcast, just because we brought it up real quick, uh, with Robert Kirkman, is that it's like one of the smallest casts of characters he's ever worked with. Oh yeah, yeah. It's and small. I think he yeah. played really well with that space. I agree. Uh, with a much more limited cast than he usually has, uh, and that that made Outcast like one of my favorite things he's. he's and written. that TV show has Patrick Fujik as a star, and that dude doesn't do a lot of stuff, and he was an Almost Famous, and I love That's Almost true. Famous. That's true. Brent Spiner's in that show, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. We all like the old guard movie, right? I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah. Well, the sequel is coming. Um, Victoria Mahoney, uh, who was the second unit director on Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, has replaced Gina Prince. Uh, Gina Prince Bythewood, who directed the first film, um, as the director of the sequel. Well, I certainly don't like that movie that you mentioned. That she worked on, but that's okay. She apparently the first African American woman to direct a Star Wars film because she was second unit. That's cool. Yeah. Still the Rise of Skywalker, unfortunately. <coughs> um. Yeah, that's cool. Like I, 
uh, I, I don't necessarily know how much of the director, not that the, like she's a bad director, but like there wasn't like a huge style for me. So that's more like the premise of it than like getting someone in. Like I don't, I don't think we're losing a lot by getting a new director is what I mean. Yeah, I just hope that this director is good. Yeah. Um, this is still written by Greg Rucka, obviously. Um, the entire cast is returning. Apparently, uh, Gina Prince Bythewood um, didn't return because after the first film was successful for Netflix, uh, she got a ton of offers and didn't want to turn a lot of them down. So she just didn't have the time. <coughs> Excuse me. Makes sense. Sorry. Yeah. Good for her. You know. You know the the. the I love seeing a female director do do well. Yeah. Uh, Sparks the Flash. Yeah. Was in the news this week. Yup. Uh, get ready to keep hate watching The Flash. I guess. I'm not Twitterverse. Watch. He's the only one. <laughs> I'm watching um, slightly disinterestedly. <laughs> uh, well, a new five part event called Armageddon is going to start in November. It's going to kick off season nine? Eight? Uh, season eight. Eight. Um, the big news of, was that the returning guest stars for The Flash. Uh, this will serve as their crossover event, I guess. Um, Javicia Leslie will, re- will will show up as Batwoman. Brandon Routh as the Atom. Cress Williams as Black Lightning. Chyler Lee? Kyler Lee? Uh, Kyler Lee. Kyler Lee as Sentinel. I don't know who that is. That's Supergirl? Uh, that's her sister. Kara's sister. Oh. Okay. Um, Kate... Uh, Cat McNamara as Mia Queen. Um, that one weirds me out, man. Future daughter. Uh, Osric Chow will be returning as Ryan Choi. Ryan Choi hasn't been in the franchise since Crisis, right? <laughs> Correct. I mean, everything's been kind of a mess uh, post-Crisis because of the pandemic. Yeah. All these seasons. Like, Flash has not been good this season it's been worse than it has been and it's been lacking in quality in a lot of places prior to the season but i do feel bad for them because i think they definitely got like just well i don't know what to do right now with uh the pandemic i think that like all their plans whatever they were thinking of they really got pulled out and they had two of their cast members decide while they were in the pandemic hey uh we're done like so uh, all their story planning had to go out the window um, they've kind of alluded to that, so I, f- I feel bad for them. The just watching through the season, I'm like, I'm sure this was like just super stressful for everyone and really hard, and it, it sucks. It sucks that this is just kind of like you had to make a season because it really does just feel like Flash maybe should have just finished the story that they got halted in from the season before uh, that they had the, the plans for. Just finished mm-hmm. that out and done like four episodes and said that was the end of that season and then gone on hiatus. Um, that might have been the better way to do it and just give the cast a break, but yeah. uh, they, they pushed through. Um, but I'm really stoked about this this announcement because, um, for one thing, Chris Williams is in this, and uh, that's really great because I was really nervous that that, that was all just going to kind of be words like, "Oh yeah, he's still part of it, so we'll bring him back." Um, and I'm really glad he's on the Justice League. Um, yeah, uh, well, I mean, like again, the pandemic has made it so we don't know what that really means mm-hmm. ryan's been watching superman and lois and like there's no indication that that's even in the same universe but it is they they're i i don't know if there have been any references diggles to diggles in like two episodes we haven't got there from yet. where we are yeah, yeah, yeah. but so, i know he's there so up until like episode like 12 or whatever there's been like literally no that's the era references. that's the other weird thing is like 
Diggle just made like the rounds and did an episode in every season. And he just like came by, and, like the Batwoman one is just like him coming and swinging by Gotham and saying, "Hey, what's up, Luke Fox? How you doing? You okay? You fighting that racism? Just, just checking in." No, he's just like because it's right after the Black Lives Matter like yeah, stuff yeah. that they were doing, and he's like, "Yeah, you fight that racism. Good on you. All right, goodbye." And I'm like, oh, "Okay." Yeah. Um, Did they? Didn't they? I seem to recall that they they said that he rejected the ring at the end of Crisis. It's not clear to me yet because i haven't seen every episode he appears in i can without seeing all that i guarantee you he's green lantern in this crossover oh yeah like uh, there's yeah. no way they set that up and then like oh no let's not make him green lantern because so... i remember so reading that i remember reading that in an interview when they were like hey we brought him back and he was asked about the green lantern stuff and he's like yeah he rejected it he's, he said no we'll see i don't know i don't know bad. is the answer um but i'm i'm stoked that this is uh this is a cool opportunity for Brandon Routh to get back in after he was unceremoniously uh, booted from Legends of Tomorrow. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, like <clears throat> I'll watch the crossover because it's you know it's a yeah. crossover. Um, uh, but yeah. which super sucks because Legends of Tomorrow is their their strongest show now that Black Lightning's over. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I am curious if they'll bring back the actor playing his wife, uh, Ray, Ray Palmer. Yeah, he, uh, got, he got married uh at the uh, in his last episode is him getting married it's one of the reasons it's the reason in the story that he leaves the team um he marries the daughter of uh uh dum dum dugan uh damien dark who's coming back damien dark he marries that was her the yeah so there were uh, two so there's two more names uh tom cavanaugh is returning as reverse flash and damien dark is returning uh neil mcdonough is returning as damien dark yeah um so I love Tom Cavanaugh. I'm super sick of them bringing him back as Eobardthon. They did this uh, a couple seasons ago where he just, he was Eobardthon again after we'd had like a uh, Mask of Zorro guy as Eobardthon for a while. Because um, he was just... the main, in the second season, I remember the, that guy was, because uh, when I was still watching them, he was the reverse flash in Legends of Tomorrow because that was yeah. the big thing is that, that was so he was good. the villain. And Legends. that was him teamed with Damien Dark. And, yeah. Uh, and John Barrowman. That was good. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And I was so confused when in Crisis on Earth X, it's Reverse Flash, but it's Tom Cavanaugh. So I don't want to like super spoil things in Legends of Tomorrow, but Damien Dark's kind of like an ally to the heroes mm-hmm. in Legends of Tomorrow now. So that's why it's weird if he's coming back here as a villain, unless it's like Betraying. alternate universe or pre-timeline of him doing that. Mm-hmm. But again, like he... He literally was at Ray's wedding to his daughter. <laughs> so I don't know how that. They're just going to do some bullshit villain. <laughs> just like make him a villain out of nowhere. I like, hope not. Yeah. I hope not. Because honestly, Damian Dark had an incredible arc in yeah. that season on Legends of Tomorrow. So I really hope it's not undone. Maybe he'll be like, oh, he'll be conflicted. That being set aside, uh, I think it's great that we're going to get to get more of Cress Williams and Barry Allen playing together. Uh, I, I loved that bit, little bit that we got in the crisis episode i wanted the crossover that just allows those characters to play with each other so i think that's really great uh Mm -hmm. and i'm super happy for kyler lee uh because i think she's doing a great job and she's just starting to come into her own as a type of hero character now that she left uh, the dod on supergirl so the fact that she'll come over from that is awesome um and uh this is honestly a great opportunity for javica leslie who's going to get to bring her Batwoman to the table. Um, And and I think she's a really good Batwoman. I do think she's a good Batwoman. I think that they, they picked a good actress. I feel 
for them in this situation. I still don't know if it was the best way to go about doing things, but I do think she's a good Batwoman. That's good. I think she's cool. I like her. I'm excited for her to kind of be able to be her own thing now. I wonder if this crossover will will win me over. Yeah. I'm still kind of bummed that Capitan Love isn't coming back as Reverse Flash. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm right there with you and I think that I'm I think that's silly, but Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but fact- again, like the biggest one, the biggest one that's weird is McNamara coming back as Mia yeah. from the future. Um it, because it is not Mia right now. It is Mia from the future. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "What? All right." Which is really them it feels like them just placating the like, "Oh, that Arrow show didn't get picked up." Bummer. <laughs> The final bit of news about this, though, is that they've cast the villain for this arm for Armageddon uh, in Despero, um, Tony Curran, who uh, was uh, probably will know best as Vincent Van Gogh from Doctor Who. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, he is going to be Despero. He's good. He's very good. Um, Despero is a big time, like big Justice League villain. So like they're gonna need all the power that they need so like it's the third I'm glad eye. that it's not like a small threat for this crossover it's like oh bring them all together uh it, that just reminded me of a thing so in one of the episodes of flash mm-hmm. i watched uh in catch up um <laughs> uh one episode is all about like what happened with psycho pirate's mask not psycho pirate but his mask okay mm-hmm. it's not good <laughs> well, the third, they, they don't really do much with them like but well, it was like a really sad, or... it was a really sad like epilogue and not well handled to to where we left him in elseworlds yeah, yeah and it's just like oh yeah psycho pirate that was on the table here's the thing and i'm like wow this is i kind of wish you just left it alone because <laughs> they set him up for a crisis in elseworlds but then they didn't do it they didn't do it Doctor yeah all right uh, there's a disney plus halloween special coming from marvel we don't know when probably next yeah. year um, the Rap has reported that Marvel is searching for a Latino actor in his 30s to star in an untitled Halloween special. Now, that's all the official news that The Rap reported. But they have heard through channels that this uh, is potentially the second Werewolf by Night, Jake, oh. a.k.a. Wolf. Hell yeah. Um, who is a, a member of the Hopi? Hopi? A Native American tribe whose family has been cursed with Lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. Hell yeah. So um instead of making a werewolf by night just like like the original like white guy or whatever, Black like Russell. they're doing the, 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 the new modern one, uh written by Taboo of the Black Eyed Peas, who also is writing Spirits of Vengeance, the new uh the new spirit ghost writer. Like apparently like Taboo's like a big comic book fan. I never would have guessed that. It's so cool. Um but yeah, they're doing they're doing like the new modern one. I think that's awesome if this is true and like I love Halloween specials. Like you guys know how much I love Halloween. Like Marvel's do, or Star Wars is doing the Christmas special, so it's just really cool that Marvel's doing something similar with like Muppets, Halloween. Muppets has the Haunted Mansion Halloween yeah. special coming up. There you go. Even Marvel has a Christmas special coming out. Oh, that's wait. What? You said Star Wars has a has a Christmas. Oh, special. Oh, sorry, that's right. I meant Guardians. I'm sorry. I okay. yeah yeah. Oh yeah, I there is a there is this Marvel one. That's crazy. This is and cool. Star Wars, Star Wars does have Lego specials that have been coming out. So I, I thought you meant those. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm just. This is really exciting. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. man. B- bring out that mar- that that horror universe. Like Blade's coming. Like get them all out, baby. Uh, I'm a little bummed that we don't get to see Jack Russell, only because I love to. I would love to see the uh, the 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 audience see think of the name, being like, wait a minute. Jack Russell Terrier. He's a hey, dog. Man, yeah, there's yeah, nothing yeah. saying he can't appear. Yeah, absolutely. 
he could he could still be the first one and we just haven't seen him before i'm not gonna care that much um yeah yeah cool i'm yeah i love specials i was really excited when they announced the guardians of the galaxy christmas special um so they bring it on Spooky. all right some comic book news not a lot phenom x i think i pronounced that right is coming from todd mcfarlane but not Todd McFarlane, because it is actually his very good friend, John Leguizamo. Hmm. So he's... Uh, <laughs> okay. I thought so John... it was um, Phenom X, like Phenomenon. Is it spelled P-H? Yeah. Then yeah. it's Phenom. Oh, Phenom X, then. John Leguizamo, Aram Rapoport, and Joe Masiak are writing a comic book with Chris Batista as art, um, and somehow Todd McFarlane is involved. Um, I think he's, like, editing it or something. Um, but he's the it just came about because they've been friends since Spawn. And he's like, You want to write a comic? And he's like, Sure. Sure. Um, wrongfully imprisoned and desperate to regain his freedom, Max Gomez agrees to become a subject in an underground government experiment. When the trial gives him phenomenal shape shifting abilities, Gomez learns his new freedom requires surviving a superpowered war fought on the streets of NYC. Sounds like a 90s image book. Sounds like a Todd McFarlane book. All right. Yep. That's true, it does. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, um, I probably will pass. Yeah. Cowboy Bebop. Um, such a good time to talk about the, the Cowboy Bebop look we got, which was just images, and I think they look really cool. Oh, they look just like it. It looks so good. Um, keep going, little doggy. Really happy to see the dog. <laughs> uh, I knew the dog would be in it. I was just, I just like that there, there was a whole... It's just a spread, and they're walking the dog. I like. I thought that was cool. Um, a new prequel novel, subtitled "A Syndicate Story: Red Planet Requiem," by Sean Cummings. Sean Cummings is one of the writers of the show. Um, he's just a staff writer on the show. Uh, this will tell the story of a young Spike and his friend and future nemesis Vicious, as they grow up in the slums of Mars and become involved with its powerful crime syndicate. Yeah. So that's that's the first thing that's coming. And then Titan is going to publish a four-issue comic book series um, that will feature a new story featuring Spike, Jet, and Faye, which sees the team of bounty hunters on the tail of a criminal who has a legendary vest that supposedly makes him extremely lucky. This one is written by Dan Waters, who's currently writing Homesick Pilots. Yep, yep, yep. Has written Lucifer, um, or is currently writing Lucifer. Is there a Lucifer book out right now? I'm not reading it, but I know they relaunched one. I don't know yeah. if it's still going. Um, with art by Lamar Mathurian, Mathurin, and this will come out in December. Cool. I'm I'm more interested in the Dan Waters one just because I know I know his comic work more. Um, yeah. But like it's it's so wild that like in a couple months we're just going to be having an onslaught of new Cowboy Bebop stuff, both in terms of TV and comic books. <clears throat> like it's just like comic books, especially. And that's Honestly, crazy. Like that's yeah. just not the turn I expected. Yeah. Um. And it's like it's not like. It's not like the cartoon, like it is. It is John Cho, yeah. uh, as mm -hmm. as Spike, um, right. which is really cool. Um, I'm just like I'm just I'm excited to be back in Cowboy Bebop land. I really hope that show's good. I'm really excited. Yeah. It makes me, uh, you know, really interested in what the live action show is going to do because it, it does feel like it's going to be like very much an adaptation that's not one for oneing at all. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think they are taking inspiration and going in their own direction, kind of thing. Yeah. Which I'm not against, uh, because I think it would be a mistake with something as iconic as Cowboy Bebop to try 
to replicate. I'm sure exactly. it's going to have like the same like overall plot and stuff. For sure, yeah. uh, but like I don't. I think a lot of the beats are going to. I think it's going to be the better version of adaptations where you're kind of yes ending rather than absolutely and only what you did originally. Yeah. Uh, and I will only recreate that in Lion King because we already um, have that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, we don't and, even and, know. And it's already. Done. It's not just that you already have it. You have it perfect. Yeah. Uh, like everyone, everyone who knows Cowboy Bebop loves that original anime series. You're never going to like match it exactly. So don't try to try to meet it on a different way. Exactly. We um, don't even know if Ed is in the show. We haven't. Yeah, heard. that's been. A, I've seen that as a talking point. I'm like, that's a that's a fair point. We'll see. I just yeah. don't think we've seen enough to really even know. Anything. I well, but I we would have heard a casting surely. I. I yeah. I wonder if Ed is either a, a late addition into the season or something they decided let's just get this working, and then save Ed for a season two. It could be yeah, yeah like expanding that show into multiple seasons so yeah. like things are ex- ex- extrapolated. I, I'm wondering that because I'm like I can definitely see where you want to establish these three, and save Ed for later. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Much like Preachers, first season is kind of a yeah. kind yes. of a prequel that's to it. Great, that is a great example. Absolutely. I think that 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 is a great example of yes ending. Yeah. Uh, as well and i think that's that's a decent uh chance that that's what we're seeing here yeah um i'm gonna run out real quick and grab another drink do it back. okay uh you're gonna miss the batman news because we got we found out who the oh, new batman no. oh no i'm gonna <laughs> miss another batman news oh, yeah no. we found out who the new batman writer is after james tynan leaves oh yeah um, joshua williamson will be taking over writing duties uh starting up with issue 118 he'll be joined by jorge molina yes um, they are going to start in December, like I said, with issue number 118. Um, Tynan is, is leaving after 117. And the first story will be called Abyss, and will feature a new villain called Abyss. And then uh, Batman's also seeing a costume change in a costume that looks more like his Batman Inc. costume prior to Flashpoint. Oh, the yeah. yellow logo on it, right? No trunks, yellow logo. I love that suit a lot. Me too. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to read this initially, uh, but I am excited for this. Uh, if you would ask me this like a year ago, I probably would have said this is a safe choice, but I know, uh, Joshua Williamson's been doing good stuff with an infant frontier. I'm not reading it. I know other people are, they seem to really, really like it. Uh, Josh Williamson is also just like a big DC head and he's a guy who like on Twitter, like I follow him on Twitter. He's like, yeah, like I've wanted to write Batman my whole life and now I'm here. This is my chance. So like, I'm excited. Um, I'm. I'm not gonna read it initially. Like, well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm still sad that like I was mad at Tinian for taking over, and then his his runs like legendary, and I'm not reading yeah. it. And then like that's why I like it could be Tynan, Tynan, Tiny Onion, Tynan, um, the fourth. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm I'm excited for him. I'm excited for him. Yeah, I think that uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. I was bummed that I didn't pick up uh, Tynan's run, and because up here such great things about it. Um, and I really like jo- what Joshua Williamson is doing. Um. Just in general, I'm reading Robin. It's the only one of his books that I'm currently caught up on. I'm uh, so mad because my, really my, my comic shop is out of the issues and I've been wanting to read the book so bad. Yeah, I really like it. Um, it's, I think the, oh, Tom Taylor's doing Nightwing. I can't say that. That book's really good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think I might pick this up. It's got my, I remember when Grant Morrison first introduced the Batman ink suit um, when he, when he came back that, and that was my favorite suit. I remember uh being so excited when they dropped it in arkham city or arkham origins one of them um i that's my favorite batman suit uh that's that he's ever donned so i'm excited to see that come back i love i love the yellow because it's like bright and it's like that's where you shoot him because it's his most it's his most uh, armored spot yeah I love it. um 
All right, trailers. He's out. Walking to the trailer park. Maya and the three. I love Ryan the Last Dragon. <laughs> uh, this is from the people who did Book of Life. I really like Book of Life. I'm really excited oh, for this. Yeah. yeah, Book of Life was amazing. And this one just visually is like, damn, this is this looks great. Yeah, visually, I'm, really I'm impressed. Yep. <clears throat> Pause for effect. Pause. Uh, I've I've seen now enough of these types of movies where the setting is cool and the visuals are cool, but there's nothing about the story. That like I've this feels like I've seen this movie a million times. I would need to see the whole movie to really see if like making it a Mayan aesthetic. Did you just do it because the Mayan aesthetic hasn't been done a lot, or is there actual relevance to making it a Mayan story and not just oh I'm a princess in a cool world? You know, um, we'll see. I think it looks visually appealing though. It's like yeah, I, I seen Brave where, where the princess wants to do more than just be a princess. So he's Brave. like he's Latino. I don't know if that makes. I don't want to say he's Mayan because there's no Mayans around anymore. I don't know if there's like descendants of Mayans or anything like that. Um, no, like you can be a descendant of a culture, and that doesn't make you an authorial uh, expert on it. And oh, I they, know, but like, but like Book of Life, his like you know heritage drove the passion for Book of Life, and I wonder if a similar thing is happening with this film. Possibly. Right. I'm, I'm like, there's just nothing. There's nothing present in this trailer that isn't is a grabbing me. That isn't just the aesthetic. Yeah. yeah, and like it's a good aesthetic. It visually looks great. I acknowledge that a hundred percent. There's nothing else that it's selling me on, though. Yeah, I believe this is. I don't know if he's done a film between this and Book of Life. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I love Book of Life, so <clears throat> that's good. And we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping for the best. Like again, like it looks. It looks cool. Yeah. Uh, I guess the Kingsman uh, marketing is kicking back up again because we're getting closer to that release. Yep. Another trailer. It dropped. Did you see I've the thing? Been... You see the thing about No Time to Die, where it cost them a hundred million dollars to market to start marketing that movie every time. That it's never going to make its money back. Never, never in a million years. I'm so, I'm really excited for this movie. Uh, I'm a big fan of Rasputin as a real person and and a fictional person in in context. Um, like it looks fun. Uh, I I didn't need a fourth trailer. You know, I was already sold on it two years ago. <laughs> I have nothing new to say about it. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I like seeing Ray Fiennes kick ass, just like I like seeing Colin Firth, Farrell, Firth, Farrell, Firth, Firth, Farrell, uh, kick ass. Yes. Um, I literally yeah. spent half the trailer just being like, boy, if Jimon Hansu dies at the end of this movie, I'll be mad. We got to stop doing this, Hollywood. Uh, all right, then let's skip. Let's skip it to Welcome to Blumhouse. Man, it's this is a one minute trailer for three movies. I got nothing out of it. Four movies. I got nothing out of it. It's like, hey, I know I recognize one of these guys from his episode of Mandalorian. That's about it. I know, I know one of these movies involves vampires. Yes, because I showed you. I know nothing else. This Uh, is why are we why aren't we just getting individual trailers for each movie? I don't understand why this is like the second trailer we've got that's a compilation trailer. So I so I thought the same. I specifically didn't watch the first trailer that came out a couple months ago because i was like well i'll just wait for the tra- for the individual trailers and then this trailer dropped i'm like oh so we're just doing this that's weird yeah i have a feeling that like an individual trailer will pop closer to release but like that's you've already done this twice we've watched, now. <laughs> we've watched so many horror movie trailers in the past few months that 
show me something visually dynamic that's already getting me like things like malignant mm -hmm. or even um the the uh not being received well uh but neil blomkamp movie oh god uh that that's out Ner oh, i forgot the name of it yeah um e even that like showing me something that's like giving me like oh this is the thing you're doing that's making you like making me not think this is just something a, yeah. a hulu horror movie Mm -hmm. what's unique I, about it like like that i would just flip on through cable yeah. there's just nothing here for me yet yeah i'm like yeah i'm like give me a single trailer for the first movie like i don't remember what any of these <clears throat> movies names are you know what i mean like oh yeah that's a good one, point give me one trailer for the first movie and if then i'll tell do, you if i want to see it if they do show you the names of the trailer or the, the trailers the names of the films it's like it's like it's quick shot. you don't get to see it you it's like a, a half a second of a scene with the name of the movie and then it goes to the next one for half a second it's like it's i think like if you wanted to a less successful fear street and not in terms of like like that's a that's a trilogy of movies but like th these are movies that are like somehow connected maybe not but like you gotta market each one individually because otherwise it's just a big mess it's, it's two double features on two nights so it's two movies and the two movies so even if you wanted to just do a trailer for the two movies for, for night one night two yeah. i that makes sense I've seen yeah. a Grindhouse trailer for, for you know, uh, uh, the Grindhouse movie that came out like a decade ago. Those are two movies. Right. Uh, yeah. And th that trailer is two trailers that's merged into one trailer. Like, you can yeah, do they that. They told you, they made sure that you knew what movie was what mm -hmm. for Grindhouse. Yeah. And it's like, hey, this is a Grindhouse double feature. You're going to see two movies when you buy a ticket to this. I, this one I know, is just. Yeah, like I, like I said up top, I know one of these movies involves vampires. I don't know which one. What's it called? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that's one with the good. dude who wasn't Rorschach. I could for one of the movie's titles was Bingo Hell. So maybe that involves if you lose at Bingo, right. you get your Bingo soul hell. sucked. Or you get your soul taken. Am I saying that? I don't freaking yeah, know. He's about to get his soul sucked. Oh, Cabal's in that movie. I'm <laughs> in. Bingo yeah, Hell, Bingo Hell, Bingo all the way. But yeah, that's all, all I know about this is like involved one of them has vampires the other may have you better win at bingo well satan's gonna get you what you got next brandon this might be the worst trailer talk we've ever had it's true <laughs> it's just it's just like a, a, a like and i'm gonna tell you right now i know what i'm gonna say on this next one too like i just don't have a lot of new to say from this yeah what is it it's shang chi shang chi oh, i shang. didn't even know this came out i didn't need it the movie comes out in five days yeah i, I didn't need this trailer either, either but at the same time it's and you guys like, could have told me not to put it on i just I just I thought it would have been something. I, I guess I just didn't. I don't know. It's a trailer. It, it's for the. It's 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 honestly just to market the song that was written for the movie. It's uh, a good song though. It's, it's hot bop. It's a Fast and Furious movie trailer. That's for it's sure. It's definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, at least it's. I, at least I, it's not a, the, the only thing about it is like you know I, I think the one thing is like I I wasn't worried about this so like it's cool to know I'm gonna like the relationship between Simulu and Aquafina. Yeah. Great. They're gonna be friends. Great. Yeah. Yeah not not worried about that that looks like yeah. it's going to be a fun relationship to watch i'm I, stoked i'll tell you what there's one shot of a bunch of dragons i didn't need to see didn't need to see it all right too many dragons too many dragons uh uh real quick before we go on to the next trailer i do want to give just a quick moment uh we did gamescom you want to hear our thoughts about what i'm about to say go to gamescom for ben ryan myself but brandon uh i want you to have this space just talk a little bit so that you have the moment, yeah. Uh, Lego Star Wars. There you go, Skywalker Saga trailer. Oh, I don't, I don't need it. It's okay. Uh, but it is being provided. Uh, okay, I appreciate it. Um, I really like mm. 
that it looks like from the trailer they fixed the combat system in these Lego games. Um, for a while, the combat system has bugged me because it's not really they're not really combat games, and they still have been. They it felt like they've been using the same combat system since the PlayStation Two. They have. Sure. They have. Um, and it looks like that this game it doesn't look like they're putting a new skin over an older Lego game. It looks like they're they've crafted a new Lego game from the ground up. You you and I suspected this after the last trailer that oh this really is going to be new. This trailer really showed off like this is a top to bottom different thing. This is not yeah. the previous Star Wars Lego game. Like this I said, yeah. this is all brand new. I said it on the Gamescom thing, so I won't go t- into much detail. But like I am I am over the moon excited for this game because it looks so different. Because like. Those Lego games are fine. I am I am done with that type of combat. Like I realized quickly in Marvel Super Heroes 2, like I've played enough of these games and they haven't done anything different in a decade for me to really want to play it anymore. This is behind the back. It's more almost like how God of War did a complete like camera change. This game is doing a complete camera change. And even like the spaceship combat is so much closer in. It feels more personal, that's more a, impactful. That's a great example where uh, when we saw that first God of War trailer where it's like, oh, this has changed. It's behind the back. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Like the lightsaber combat feels so, it just looks infinitely more fun. The... Uh, in the levels for the Lego games, it's always been a static camera. Uh, the camera only goes really, really, really where the the story needs it to. Um, but the free roam allows you to move the camera uh, in a in a in a three sixty. Um, and I, I always preferred that because it, it kind of made the gaming experience a little bit more fun. Um, I'm far more interested if if that is even if the camera's not static, as long as you can, as long as we see that we can put it behind the back and we can kind of manipulate it it looks like this will be a lot a lot more enjoyable gaming experience for a next-gen console to me this looks like a marriage of oh do you like battlefront would you like to play the stories of the star wars films and explore the world in lego everything's gonna look lego but would you like to do it because it's gonna look that way uh and it very much is reminiscent of like wandering in the star wars worlds in the way that battlefront does which is nice it looks truly like they adapted these worlds so well yeah. yeah i had the uh i had the game pre-ordered on the playstation 4 for two years now because kept getting pushed back so then i was like oh wait i've got a ps5 now cancel pre-order pre-order ps5 version yeah, yeah. there's there's a a twitter screenshot of like coming 2020 coming 2021 coming 2022 or whatever yeah. like uh goodness gracious hey if the game's good absolutely yeah pandemic sucked yeah uh gate we always talk about it how how game Game uh, delays. delays only good. Uh, can only good mean thing. good things. Yeah, always a good thing. All right, that's it. That's all the trailers. Wait a minute. Hold up. You're right. They finally <laughs> released <laughs> the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Um, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, when I first saw it drop, I didn't believe it. I was like, "They're trolling us." There's no way. It was definitely, and I 100% got wrapped in the hype <laughs> super hard this week. Uh, Twitter was the most insane I've ever seen it waiting for a trailer because the rumor guys were like, guys, I heard it was coming out an hour ago. Guys, it's coming out soon. Everyone's just like, they're all liars. This ain't happening. It's coming out on Tom Holland's birthday. It's coming out on, on the, the anniversary of his father's marriage or all the nonsense. And then then it just comes out and then, uh, it's the highest viewed trailer of all time in the quickest, like it, it, like a billion views, like in a day, like it's just like insane, insane shit. Um, yeah, guys, the, all the rumors are true uh well so far we know that most of the rumors are true we still don't know that charlie cox is in it i'm <laughs> man come on, <laughs> come on. um 
on, Green Goblin, come on. <laughs> come on. Uh, I cannot, I am so, I'm at a point with this movie where I am so excited for it because of how just like, it's it's not the Spider-Man movie that I that I'd want it to be, but guess what? I got five of those movies already. I'm ready for big multiverse Spider-Man, and that's because I've read a lot of those comics, and those can also be fun. The nostalgia hit me really hard, guys, in a way I didn't expect, like really did. And like again, it's something only time can give us. And like if this would have happened a couple years after the Raven movies, it wouldn't have the same impact if it's 15 years later, right? Uh, here and I <laughs> is like it gave me goosebumps, and I'm like, God damn it, I'm a nostalgic bitch today. I, today, I, Ben, I'm nostalgic bitch. When I when I I first saw the trailer, I put it on my TV because Zara hadn't seen it seen it either, so we decided to watch it together. And I was I was like, okay, cool, cool. I like Doctor Strange. I'm I'm into seeing more Doctor Strange. Cool, cool, cool. Pumpkin bomb, cool. Do do do. Hello, Peter. Oh yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's now for Melina. He's a slut for Hollywood. What can I say? When I. For whatever reason, for whatever reason, I was kind of not lukewarm is the, the wrong word, but I was like I was enjoying it, but I, it didn't it didn't hit me. And then Malfermina Melina shows I'm like, oh shit. Oh shit, that's Doc Ock. Yeah. I watched this trailer with Fanny. Um so I I did watch the trailer. I like rewatched this trailer like five times maybe in the span of this week because I just really enjoyed it. I had a good time watching this trailer. And I showed Fanny on it. I showed her like you did right on the big screen on our TV. And she's watching. She's like, oh, hey, Doctor Strange. Oh, hey, this. And then she's the Pokemon shows up. She's like, wait, that looks familiar. And then you the octopus arms come. And she's like, no. And then it's like, hello, Peter. She's like, hey. She's like pointing at the TV screen. She's like, wait a minute. That's the that's the original one. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the original That's such one. a much better. That's such a much better reaction than my girlfriend who said who? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, that's why you tweeted that. Um, yeah, she's only seen the... Spider-Man three of the Raimi films. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, the world is so funny sometimes. Found <laughs> that's that. <the> well, <laughs> she's been. She was pretty young when the first two came no, I, out. No, I get it. It's just like, how do you see the third movie in a franchise without? That's like I don't do that. I'm not yeah. that type of person. Like. I'm not gonna watch Godfather three without seeing the first two, you know. That's yeah. kind of a different person. I can vividly remember the weekend Spider-Man hit theaters. Every kid at my school was going to see it, and I asked my parents if we can, and they said, "Nope, we have to wait till the week to the next Friday until we can go see Spider-Man." I was like, "Why?" And I don't remember the answer they gave me, but it wasn't a good answer. Sparks, you've been silent. Mm, he doesn't talk yet. Yeah, I just I was just letting you guys go. Um, I think it I think it's good. Like I, I uh, it it's cool that it looks like it's picking up pretty much like it, it following immediately from the day that he gets outed to uh, Halloween. I think mm-hmm. so. From the summer moving up into October, great. October twenty twenty three. Yeah, we're still in twenty twenty three. Yeah. Uh, I love Doctor Strange's snow. Snow. I was out plowing the snow in front of yeah, my manor. in my house. Having, having some adventure previous to the Spider-Man encounter. That looks funny. Yeah. Well, it could uh, be snowing in New York in October as well. No, I know, but his entire house is inside. Is his snow. no? I know. Yeah, Come yeah, on. that too. That's that not too. natural. Every time Doctor Strange shows up, I'm like, oh yeah, I really like Doctor Strange. I um, honestly, I I like him more and more as Benedict plays him. Yeah, me uh, too. I like I. I like Doctor Strange the movie fine, but like that's my least favorite of his Doctor Strange performances. Yeah. Like I like him more and more as he becomes like the Doctor well, Strange through the character. More and more uncomfortable with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and the accent. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
it, it, my biggest complaint about this trailer is that when Peter calls him Steven, he doesn't say, that's a little strange, but I'll roll with it. Uh, well, they did that. They, he they says did that's that in, weird. They did that in the Infinity War. They made yeah, it. they can't yeah. do that twice. Oh no! Oh no! The MCU <laughs> can't do a callback. You'd hate callbacks. Yeah, but I would have liked that. Oh my god! You can't have it both ways. It's not Come the on. same callback. It's a different joke. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, you can't I, have it both ways. Tastes are subjective. It's true. Sure. Yeah. Um. I. I definitely. I know the leading up to this, we've all been hesitant, but now that we're here and I see like what it is, um, I'm. I'm very happy with it. Um, again, like, you know, it's not, you know, small scale Spider-Man's Brook, but guess what? That we've had 60 years of that. We've had five movies of that. I'm really happy that we're getting the Spider-Man that is a big bombastic hero because there are multiple, he's multitudes. He has multiple things he can do. He's not just always broke. I hate that. So my, Uh, I will Mm -hmm. push back a little bit and say that I think it's really important that in a world of, uh, plenty of heroes who don't do this. Yes. It's important to have someone who represents working class. Absolutely. And that's one of the biggest reasons why Peter Parker is popular world round. Yes. And the fact that the MCU continues to not, I'm not saying this is the movie that should be addressing that. It can't it's be. More, it's more, I understand that. Yeah. It's more a problem that it's still just not been a thing up to this point. Mm-hmm. That's frustrating because like, even just beyond him having a trilogy of Spider-Man films, he's also been in Avengers films. So yeah. we've got a lot of movies with the Spider-Man and like he is not the working class hero that he should be. And I do think that's an important missing feature of that character. No, that's true. Uh, I love that in Spider-Man 1, he is a tech guy. And then the end of the movie, he is in his regular suit being Spider-Man. People always forget that part of that, that him being Iron Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just very excited because I, I like <clears throat> big Spider-Man. Uh, and I'm glad we're here. I like the Green Goblin. So I have a different issue with this story. Uh, than Sparks. Uh, although I do agree mostly with Sparks. It's not It's not um, an issue with the story. It's just, again, like I don't think this is the movie that was ever supposed like, I wasn't expecting this movie to be the one that fixes that problem. I just do in general think that's an issue. Sure. Um, I have a couple of things. One, um, it's interesting that we know, it, it's interesting that potentially this is the first solo MCU film to not uh, introduce a new MCU villain. This will just uh, be regurgitating villains from prior films. We don't know that. We don't know that. Um, I also think Mysterio is in this. Uh, I think he's I think, the Ele- I think the Electro is the Electro of this universe. Oh, you think that Jamie Foxx is going to play the Electro of this universe? 100%. Yeah. Um, because he didn't he allude he alluded to the multiverse in he his He said in he's his not pose. playing the same Electro. Right, but I I I guess uh I guess I'm misremembering. I do remember that part. Um, also, two of the other two characters that show up. <laughs> right. I don't yeah, think Alfred Molina is playing Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. Well, the, 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 thing, the other thing is, um, not only are most of the villains that we're going to get in this film dead from their previous films, um, I hope this doesn't, this doesn't negate the possibility of seeing MCU versions of Green Goblin or Dr. Octopus. Um I, I hope that doesn't that we're will we get to see them in the future. Um, I don't think it does. Um, uh, it might, and uh, I'll finish your thought, and I'll say why. Um, I hope that this doesn't. I hope that we're 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 right in assuming that it's not the same Doc Ock from his from Spider Man Two because that character died a hero, um, mm-hmm. and it would suck to kind of negate that effect. Even though Alfred Molina himself said they're going to pluck me out of the moment in the river. Um. And then it's 
it's interesting. I don't think I don't think Doc Ock is saying hello, Peter, to Tom Holland. I think he's saying hello, Peter, to Tobey Maguire. Um, like um, but our, but Tom Holland has no emotional stakes uh, to the, any of these villains. Um, and I, I think that's a lot to juggle. And I'm not I'm not saying they, there's that this movie can't be good. I'm saying I'm concerned that John Watts isn't prepared to juggle all of what this movie has to. By having all these um, characters. I would feel that there would be... It would be overstuffed. I know this is going to be a weird thing to say because I'm adding more characters to this. But it would be overstuffed it was only Tom Holland dealing with the Sinister Six. But it's not. We have two other Spider-Men who are going to help carry the load. They're not going to be in it the whole time. Because they have to carry the emotional load. But they will carry the emotional load. We still... Guys, we they they this is with the teaser trailer for this movie. This was a three minute long teaser trailer that that was that showed more than most regular trailers do. There's still so much of this movie that we don't know anything about, right? And so it is impossible for me to say like that there won't be any emotional engagement with. Our I'm not saying there won't be any. I'm no, just saying I'm concerned that John Watts is not is not capable of handling the the, the all he needs to juggle. Sure. Uh, I think he's handled the emotions well of the last two Spider-Man movies. Maybe not like all the plot stuff, but the emotions I've had no problems with. So uh, I'm not worried on that level. I am worried about juggling the plot itself. That's what I'm worried about. I, I'm worried about that also. But I think uh, I think my my thing that's kind of like in between what you two are saying is that um, I think the MCU does have a, a potential for doing stepping into the same trap here that I think the DC uh, universe has done that even the MCU has kind of flirted with at times where you're doing things that don't necessarily serve the character, but they do serve the fans who, so it's, it's treating an audience that does have the relationship. We have an emotional relationship with Alfred Molina and Stockhawk, but it's not necessarily serving the character. Yes. And that's going to hold the story, the plot yeah. back. If that is the case, if they pander to that too hard and don't build enough for Tom Holland, I'm not saying that's what will happen. No, I get you. But that is, I think the, the biggest fear in doing it is that you're, you're, you can easily slip into uh, the the Rise of Skywalker is the best example of this. You can easily slip into the like I did this for you, yeah. and it's like mm, we didn't need but that. But you didn't do it for yeah. the characters I cared about. So yeah, I uh, hmm, yeah yeah Sparks, there will yeah you Sparks you were about to say something about after I said uh, that uh, this could uh, that this could potentially negate the appearance of a Doc Ock or a Green Goblin in the MCU. Uh, real quick, like this is just something Ryan and I were bantering about earlier, which is that Bates. you know like. Uh, uh, Tom Holland is not contracted up for a long stay in the MCU. He's yet. almost that done. That still hasn't happened. Um, there is a possibility that this is a way to take Tom Holland out of the MCU, uh, to take his Spider-Man away to and Sony. leave him in a different universe that would be the Sony films. Um, mm -hmm. The only reason why I say there's a possibility of that is because we didn't really put it in the news, but Sony changed their moniker for their films to Spider-Man movie characters. Uh they put Spider-Man in the title, so it's no longer Sony Universe of Marvel characters. It's Spider-Man. The spunk is dead. Um, and Ooh. the fact that they put Spider-Man in it tells me they're moving forward with putting Spider-Man in their movies, whether it's Tom Holland or what I think is the smart choice, which is to leave Tom Holland to the MCU and have their own Spider-Man separately to engage with those characters. Who knows? There is a possibility that I think that the version of what you're talking about, where this does negate us ever seeing those MCU versions, is if this film's purpose is to ultimately take Spider-Man out of the MCU. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The last hurrah for our Spider-Man, basically, yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I brought up was that, um, you know, Peter Parker has no... Uh, more specifically, I think this could be solved, but Doc Ock died a hero. Um, mm. And if Alfred Molina is correct, and yes, this is the one from Spider-Man 2, um, 
then I think a lot of it can be explained away by Mysterio as manipulating a lot of this, is manipulating yeah. a lot of people to um, a lot of these alternate universe versions to attack our Peter Parker and he needs to team up with the other Peter Parkers. Um, I think that could be, I think Mysterio could be a valuable asset to, um, uh, to this film. Um, other than that, I don't, I really don't see you introducing a new MCU villain, a, a new MCU Spider-Man villain. I do see you either reusing Vulture or Mysterio. And I think Mysterio is probably a smart way to go. Uh, yeah. Uh, Electro uh, is definitely in the movie, but also uh, there is a shot of a somewhat looking Sandman in the trailer. So like there are rumors that Sandman is in this trailer. And again, and Lizard, was... we've, we've heard the rumors. Oh of yeah, lizard definitely. Too. We definitely see some weird thing scratch a Peter. That definitely might be the lizard. Um, So I, I think they deliberately showed a lot of villains in this thing. So like, yo guys, like there's a lot in this movie. Like mm -hmm. this is like, this is such a bigger movie than, and Tom Holland said himself, this is the biggest solo superhero movie ever made. Uh, and I've seen really big superhero. We've all seen pretty, we've seen Dr. Strange that ends in a big time battle. Like how do you get bigger than that? Uh, Spider-Verse happens. So like it's, there's yeah, nothing it's on over here. There's nothing on paper that I'm that I that I dislike about this. Like I said, the trailer got me excited. There is just a, a lingering worry. Um, yeah. That John Watts just always has to juggle two studios already: uh, the wants of Marvel and Sony. Uh, he's got a really tough job as an MCU director, more so than the others. Also, John Watts is directing Fantastic Four, so if this yeah. is the last Spider-Man movie, that would actually make sense. And then he just moves on to the next franchise. That's true. Yeah, he could move oh, on man. to Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four would probably be a lot easier project for him because he doesn't have to deal with Sony. True. I, think, I think even before Fantastic Four, John Watts was saying he he always wanted to do like a trilogy with Spider-Man. I think he was going to step away yeah. after that one way or another um, and put Spider-Man in someone else's hands. Uh, I I just I definitely get like that that like uh, it, it's just a little bit of nervousness of like you know what this is going to mean. We, we're not going to know until the movie comes out. Um, and probably even a little while after that, necessarily what this means for the longevity of Tom Holland and the MCU. But I do, I do agree with Brandon. I, I don't want this to mean anyone's off the table. Should Tom Holland stay in the future? Yeah. Like, I, I really do like Tom Holland. Yeah. We've yeah. talked about it before that uh, Kevin Feige has an allergic reaction to using characters that have already shown up in movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I hope he gets over that with time. Um the other thing is a, a big factor of that. Like, while I think that there is a possibility that there are discussions about like what is the the long term plan for Disney and Sony's relationship over the Spider Man film rights, um, I think it also just got more complicated this week because of the response to the trailer, uh, yeah. which proves that for both companies, there's profit in sticking together because you pull it out, you're not getting that same reaction. Yeah, like yeah, you you true. will for a little while. You take Spider Man away from the MCU and you leave him in the Sony films, you'll you'll still get you'll still get some responses for sure. It's still Spider-Man, but it will dwindle down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we do know that Sony made a deal with Disney Plus to uh, have their movies on Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sure that there's interest in keeping that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, uh, I told Ryan this too. Like, um, I am nervous about when they go back to those negotiating tables because it's not Bob Iger at that table anymore. It's now Bob Chapek. Yeah, and yeah. that's a man with a different vision about uh, profits and what what's necessary and what isn't um so we'll see we'll see what this relationship is going to be going yeah. forward um there's all kinds of things still up in the air venom 2 and morbius and what they're doing uh but 
we'll we'll get there. Car, um, uh, 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 Craven. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Michael Keaton comment that he said that he's in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. So Brandon Vulture is in this movie because Michael oh, Keaton's okay. doing interviews. And mm-hmm. uh, just real quick, he you need to look up Michael Keaton interviews because he's one of the most interesting people on the planet. He does not watch movies. He makes movies, but he doesn't watch any movies. He is not a movie person. He is an outdoors person. So he's talking about how he's working on the Batman and he's working on the Spider-Man. He's like, I'm Wait, in all Flash. these movies. A Flash, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in, well, it's basically a Batman movie. I'm in all these multiversal movies and I have no idea what the hell's going on, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> uh, he has no idea what... like. He's reading the scripts and he's like, I don't know what I'm saying, but y'all seem to really love it. I read that. I read that article. I, I I guess I just assumed he was talking about being in Morbius and not understanding how it connected to Spider-Man: Homecoming. No, he's 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 in Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we always assumed he'd come back eventually. Speaking oh, yeah. of coming back, here's Mag, who just got back from a party. Hey, Mag. Woo! Hey, Mag. Up trailer talk. One last thing. Um, I do hope this is something that I think is really just uh, maybe on all our minds to some extent. I'm going to be really sad if we only get like 20 minutes of MJ and Ned in this. Yeah, I'm, sure they're I'm sure they're in it. I, I'm hoping so, but like they're not getting pulled through. So are we getting like, are they just going to like shoehorn in alternate versions of them? I'm just saying like that kind of thing. That I just, it's too early to tell like with the first sure. of the teaser. Yes, yeah. absolutely. For sure. It's, it's definitely too early to tell. I just hope that that's, you got because you have so much to juggle. Like I can definitely see yeah. them being sidelined for this movie, which all the more goes back to the reason where maybe I'm kind of okay with that for the story to work. I just don't want it to be the last time we engage with these characters. Oh yeah, I feel that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's right. where it would be a bummer is if that this is them doing the swan song of this time. Uh, it would suck if that is the last way we engage with them. That's true. <clears throat> uh, come hell or high water, Amy Pascal finally got her Sinister Six movie. It's true. And listen, at the end of the day. Like the, the the kid in me sees this image behind me, and and like the the, the nine year old who saw Spider Man one is getting a Spider Verse movie with all the Spider Man who've come after. Like, there's just a part of me that like that's that's in, that's insane yeah. that we're at a point in in our entertainment lives that this can happen. For so sure. there's just a part of me that's like it's impossible for me to to like be negative because I'm like, Tobey Maguire's back. It's, <laughs> an, it's another one of those those comic book touchstones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that that you that that milestone where you're like wow we're we, we did it we're here yeah um i'm also s- still just super intrigued like uh what this is going to mean for dr strange you know yeah uh, when, when we come out of this oh you we're mean only, mephisto because we're only a couple months out uh once this co- releases from dr strange i saw i saw that when it was like that's not dr strange why would he do it like did you not see the movie of course he would do this of course 100 dr strange would be like uh, the, yeah the all right mephisto- i'm gonna try it the Mephisto thing comes from um, there's there's a very famous panel of Mephisto in front of a fireplace with a glass of wine, and it's mm. like it looks like it's like Doctor Strange is doing that too, and everyone's just like this because it's also one more day, which is it's a Mephisto also story. one more day, which is a Mephisto. Story. So like, yes, I was gonna say again, like how stupid would it be if the Spider Man movies where Mephisto shows up and like can't, I just can't do it. I, I just it. go back to like when people were because before even the Mephisto thing came up, people were saying maybe it's the Dark Doctor Strange from What If, um, and I was like. Is it the, in the first movie, he's like, "Yeah, okay, I'm gonna mess with the time stone." Yeah, he's he's arrogant. Yeah. So, so we know yeah. uh, Tom Holland's contract was for another Spider-Man and one other Marvel film, and yeah. we don't know what that other Marvel film is. And I've been wondering, I have been for a long time, if that film is Doctor Strange. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I hope not. Amy Pascal has had an interesting track with the Spider-Man films because whenever, uh, because she she likes to use the villains that were supposed to happen in Spider-Man films. So like mm-hmm. when uh, Spider-Man Four didn't happen, it was supposed to have Vulture and Lizard or or whoever was written at that that week. They used Vulture and Lizard in the first of the next films, 
And then she tried to get a Sinister Six in Spider in Amazing Spider-Man 3, and then tried to get into a Drew Goddard Sinister Six movie, and now she finally did it. So well, good job, Amy Pascal. She 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 when she wants something, she works hard for it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, that's all we got. Anything else you want to add before we move on? No, no. I think it is time for the for the candies. Uh, okay, uh, so yes, so we're going to be talking about Nia Costa's new film. That. <laughs> that oh, no, one. Don't you, don't you mean Jordan Peele's movie? No, it's Nia Costas. Jordan Peele oh, okay. did co-write the script with her, though. Um, uh, he is credited as scriptwriter. Uh, yeah, so Nia Costa's new film. Um, what do, so full spoilers. Uh, for, for, fair warning, full spoilers. We're going to be spoiling the shit out of it. Uh, you have been warned. Uh, and for and and reasonably for the 1992 Candyman as well. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be hard not to be referencing to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you've been warned. So what do we think about this one, uh, Ben? Sandy man. Uh, this one was spooky as all hell. So after the movie, it it's not as it wasn't like jump scary. It wasn't it wasn't like super jump scary. Like, but it was suspenseful, and the tension was definitely there, and the imagery itself, like when um. Anthony's hand constantly gets rotted from the bee sting as the film progresses. It's just more, it's just foreshadowing more and more like he's going to be the next Candyman. So it, it was definitely spooky. There was some really, I don't want to say grotesque imagery, but shocking imagery. And it, it was good. It was really, really well made and really well done. Sparks? Uh, we saw this last night and I was super duper hot on it. I am slightly less hot on it, but still hot on it. Right? I'm pretty hot on it. I'm pretty hot on it. Sparks, why don't we? Uh, what what makes you less hot? Well, first, what's your take, Brandon? Because I oh, I really know. liked it. Found it very spooky. There you go. Uh, um, I I had I felt obligated to uh, follow the thread of like black critics who were having responses that were less. Uh, on the high caliber that I was feeling when I came out of it and read what they had to say. And I'm like, you know, this is a, I think these are very valid points that I really just can't speak to myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, they're, they're mostly centered around the fact that uh, it's really two main things. Um, And I think that the first one is like, you know what, when I think about it, I think that's fair. Um, The representation of like Chicago as the environment, as part of the, the purpose of the setting is not, it doesn't serve to the story the way that it did in the original in 1992. Uh, and it doesn't feel like it's as intrinsically a part of, uh, of Candyman as it should be. Um, it is in words, but not in, uh, in representation. I felt that the oppression of Chicago was always there because like of the reflective city always like, I thought that was cool when, when those moments happened, um, but the characters themselves are not engaging with the environments that they're speaking to. And mm-hmm. even when it shows Cabrini Green, Cabrini Green is reduced to such a a tunnel-visioned picture of what it was in comparison to the 1992 film as, as an environment that they were the characters were engaging with. And when you are dealing with a film, this is this is me speaking from having read these reviews that made me see these things. And and I am elaborating that I, I do kind of see where they're coming from, but this is their points, not mine. Um, these are people who either live in Chicago or understand much more what the black relationship is with Chicago, because these are all black film critics that I'm talking about. 
and it, they the interpretation of uh of the um gentrification is reduced down to something that's so streamlined it's not dealing with the complexities of the relationship and it's so much there's too much of the we have taken black characters and put them on the yuppie high level who are looking down at it now yeah rather than acknowledging what was done to the poor class that was there uh which it's only a problem in the sense of like the film wants to speak to these things and it's not nailing it for a lot of people and again like yeah i didn't catch that this is their experience yes of course and i'm like i can't speak to that perspective but i can totally see where that perspective exists uh this is not me countering them at all because obviously i'm a white dude in the film the brother even makes a joke talking about how they're talking about all this stuff happening while they're being rich black people. Mm -hmm. So they even mentioned in the movie, maybe it's not done enough, but for me, that was them recognizing that these are people talking about the situation, but they're not doing anything about it. They're rich and black. I think it's less that it's not like, like that it's absent and that it's not an integral part of the story in okay. the way that they felt that it should be, if it's gotcha. going to actually speak to what it's trying to speak to okay. uh, as a, as a, so the larger point, and I think one that that is valid, uh, and I think makes a lot of sense, and I'm kind of going to distill it down in my own words. I've also got a couple of pull quotes I'll give you guys, but um, is that this is very much a made for an everyone audience, not made for the black audience. Mm -hmm. uh, is is their perspective on it, their take, which is that if you really wanted to talk about this, there's so much more that would be done to push these messages, but you're doing this in the way where it's, and it, their words, it's super digestible. It's a conventional horror movie. For the mainstream, for the, the white audience to be able to get on board with it, that's what it's doing. And it's, it's in, in doing so, it's not as subtle. It's hitting you over the head with its social commentary. It's almost tripping over itself and trying to make sure that it's hitting that one note over and over again. And <clears throat> I think to the credit of the film, this is how things happen. This is necessary. Candyman, the original in 1992, was a, a much more subtextual film in, by comparison because in the environment that it was in, those kind of films weren't made like that. Mm -hmm. So it was pushing boundaries. I don't know that this is necessarily pushing boundaries. I think it is contributing to important conversation in a fun way, in a good way, but it's not pushing that boundary I, it is very much bringing like a we're all on the table of this level yeah but we're not going to have the extremist talks about what's really going on what's really the issue of these class disparities and how this violence has carried on over time we're not going to dig into that we're not going to make this a film that really bores into that we're going to hit that one note that everybody's kind of able to get on board with while they watch it and just stay there and that's kind of the main point of it. Before we go into too much of the responses of it, I'll give you guys some of the solid quotes that I saw from this. So this one comes from On Den of Geek. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is Valerie Complex. A uh, piece called The Candyman Review Horror Movie Update is a Missed Opportunity. Um, <clears throat> let me pull down here. Candyman 2021 in theaters now. Uh, the new film takes the Candyman title away from one man and makes it more of a generational curse that exists among black males abused by a white supremacist system. What's frustrating is that the storytelling is forced to give way to one of the no to 
on-the-nose social commentary. DaCosta and Peele's debut films are great because the subtlety of their commentary isn't preachy so much as it is a new way to create narratives around social injustice. This is why it's hard to comprehend why they do the complete opposite in this film. But just because the writing isn't subtle, subtle the way DaCosta execute her, executes her direction is. She prefers the slow burn, which works for this particular horror character, and it's something she's known to do well. However, in this case, it takes away from the horror elements needed to up the stakes. Uh, so that's one. And the other one is from Candyman falls it, uh, into its own derivative critique of race and class from Sarah Ty Black. This is on the Globe and Mail. Um, <clears throat> sorry, one sec. I got to pull back down for it. Um, it asks us to see black women as inheriting the legacies of black men of being far too simply the character caretakers of their histories while relying on the market value of Peel to the point of disturbing the perceived autonomy of its director. The world that McCoy and Cartwright live in is shaped by the virulent capitalistic desire to willfully misunderstand and cash in on the latest black success. Here, original thought is more made palatable to white audiences and critics that are in search of supposedly thought-provoking content to affirm their liberal educations. It's a failed statement on black art making that unfortunately comes to describe the film itself i mean i <clears throat> i think that one's a little harsh it is a little harsh uh, and i'm not saying i 100 agree yeah but i have seen more or less this kind of sure vibe i've also a read lot. a lot of really positive black reviews on this too so for like... sure and i'm and and i like so these are black film critics who yeah. are talking about this and i think the important distinction in that is that they know how to look at films and, and analyze subtext and analyze all these things and i'm not saying that it means that they're right what i am saying is that i think that they were hungering for something that this movie just was never going to provide yes. because it was serving an audience that was wider than they wanted it to be because we all want to be more progressive and sometimes you have to take the less progressive candidate to get everybody to agree and be on board with it. Yeah. And I do think that that's what's happened here with Candyman, where everybody, everybody, to make an analogy, everybody wanted Bernie. Mm -hmm. We didn't get Bernie, we got Biden. Yeah. For this movie. Yeah. Uh, but but like a lot of these black film critics, especially with the praise that the film was getting, the hype machine that it had become, who was behind it, they wanted the Bernie Sanders of pushing those boundaries about I get black that. criminal injustice yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. And while I didn't have that reaction when I watched that movie, and I didn't, I do think it's important to bring attention because I'm we're all a bunch of whiteies talking about it. I do think it's important to bring attention that there are people who felt like this did do, this wasn't bad, but it didn't hit all the marks that it could have for the potential that it had that existed. Yeah. And I don't think, I do think that the fundamental truth is, I don't think it's as boundary pushing as the original is. No, not I think no. it's good. No. I think it's good. I really do. I don't think that it goes as hard as it could, and I understand why. This is I, I made the joke to you, but this is more of like a a, a Ghost Rider movie than like an, yes. orig an original Candyman movie. Because what this movie does is it 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 widens the mythos of Candyman being a mantle, like <clears throat> the Ghost Rider, yeah. someone who who takes revenge on the on the, the the sadnesses that have happened to the community. Right. Um. On that aspect, I really liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. uh as a just a white person who wasn't thinking about all that stuff uh watching the movie i think it's a very impactful horror movie i think it's incredibly well shot i think all the acting is insane uh all the performances like they're all really natural all the actors together are really natural uh, i love all the different interactions between all the people um i didn't think it was particularly scary no. um but i did find the atmosphere uh uh like full of dread 
and I love being in a movie where like I'm not sure what's gonna happen. Like, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, gross. I feel gross right now. I love Thick that. With it. Thick with it. The the ending like in the chapel is like full of that, and I love oh, yeah. that. Yeah, I uh, also I know I mentioned up top <laughs> that uh, this film did did kind of trigger some night terrors. Not necessarily because the film is in your face scary is is like halloween scary or or anything like or even as scary as the original but the film fills fills the screen with such dread and such imagery of 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 dread that i um i found myself constantly thinking about the sequence after he sees the reflection of uh of himself as the as the the current one that he summoned uh as sherman thank you um and when he is snapped out of that, when the when the art critic says, "What are you doing?" Um, you still see him in the background, kind of leaning into the the screen. That I'm still here. <laughs> that was scarier to me than a lot of this movie because that's kind of imagery that scares me. It because it it rattles me to my core. It's like um, it's obviously a, a very different scene, but you know, like in ha- in the original Halloween, where Michael Myers is just sitting out in the open, and yeah. you don't see like a monster just out in the open like that. Like right. he's just a mo- he's just the dude in the bathroom. You're like, that's that is horrifying. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it's doing the same thing where like uh, when you have the shot when he goes away, you assume he's gone, mm-hmm. gone, and but then your just... eyes are wandering for a moment, and then they settle, and you realize he's in the back. Yeah, he just walked backwards. So the sh- so funny enough, that scene also is like. Well, I was talking earlier about the imagery really gets you. It's um, the shot that's going out from the art critic's apartment when the art critic dies from Candyman. So Anthony leaves, and then she's just in her apartment, and the, and the camera's just going back, and all of a sudden you see her strang- being strangled in midair, and she di- and she dies. But then there's like some other windows on, like there's a a, a family watching the football game. There's a family having dinner. You see all these other people living their lives, and this woman is getting brutally murdered in her own apartment. But there's nothing there. Like we know who it is. It's we know it's Candyman because we can only see him through the reflection of a mirror. But there's no mirror's presence, so all we see is just her getting lifted up by some force, smacked her head against her own window, and just dies. I I knew that Tony Todd was in this movie. Um, I uh, he was. I don't think they ever announced that he was coming back, but he's in the IMDb cast list. So kind of we, everyone knew um, yeah. I had assumed that they had retconned his origin um, from watching the trailers for this new movie. Um, but I like the idea of adding that. It's kind of that there are different mythologies around this different character based on certain atrocities that happened in Cabrini green, such as uh, and for a while, I thought Samuel was just an old Tony Todd. Because uh, most of he's covered up in a lot of blood and a lot of and a lot of uh, prosthet- uh, damaged prosthetics, which creates a really cool effect. And I wasn't too sure if it wasn't Tony Todd. It's not. Um, yeah. Uh, and did you mean Sherman? Did I not say Sherman? You said Samuel. Oh, Sherman. Yes. Um, the, the and I, I do like the the line when the the laundromat dude is like um, Burke. Uh, Burke. Uh, when he goes down the line of the different people, and then he stops at. Uh, who Tony Todd was, and he's like, that's the one that Helen stumbled onto. Mm-hmm. So, like, the idea that you can summon different versions that you stumble, you can stumble onto a different mythology of this character. The, the way, the route you take to learning about Candyman determines the specific one, but they're all 
part of that mantle yeah. Yeah. as a representation of violence against black men. And and it makes sense that the that Sherman would be the one that would be summoned because we find out that someone broke a pact that summons uh, that summons him. And it being that it being Burke, because Burke saw what happened to Sherman. So he well, saw, and, he summoned that one. And that's the first story that uh that Anthony engages with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is is the one him. of is the one that Burke tells him. So that's why that's the Candyman he encounters first. I I love Burke. I had no idea what this character was gonna end up becoming. He was just like, Oh, I'm just a guy who tells you about Candyman. No big deal about that. But then he's like he's like the priest of the murder cult. And he's like, mm-hmm. we need to bring him back. It's a it's a vicious loop. We gotta end the loop. I'm like, it brings out wow. freaking lollipops with little razor blades in them. He's like, the I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what his name of his name is the Candyman. Uh, shit, I've been I've been avoiding it the whole time. Um, his name makes far more sense in this film than it did in the first one. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So another thing about this movie ha- actually happens in the end credits. Um, we saw it during the trailers when this book. When this book film was being marketed, but the shadow puppet, and there was a lot of really good shadow puppetry as the film was going through. Like when um, Burke was telling the legends of the older Candyman, like the first one, um, uh, Robitaille, and then we see Sherman a little, a few shots. But the one thing I really enjoyed was at the very when the credits are actually rolling, we saw the puppetry of all the Candymen. Yes, I, they, I liked what, that too. We saw because we didn't have to see Robotize again because we saw his, but we saw um, the kid who got was dra- who was like who was shot or were dr- was dragged or the family that was dragged by the truck. Yeah, by, was dragged by, by the, the truck, hook. and yeah, and then you see like the white the black family moving into a white neighborhood and the, this mob of people in front of them, and then they get uh, killed and just all these atrocities. And eventually, you see Sherman's. He you see the little candy, and then um, they the cops show in and just all that shadow puppetry yeah. throughout the whole film was just it. I it, agree. It, it, when we, when we talked about, when we talked about the trailer uh, that, that first showed the shadow puppetry, we all said, we all agreed that I hope this is in the movie. And I was yeah. really glad at how often it's used in the movie. I think it's, I think it's used to a great effect, mm-hmm. yeah. like, uh, especially like, because when we see, especially when we see Helen's story done yes. from the, the perspective of the, of the people of Cabrina Green that don't know what happened and the perspective of the mother when she finally tells the true story. Even though we've seen the first film, it's still an effective visual to use the shadow puppets rather than flashbacking to the original film. Also, we had no idea, but the mom was the original is the original mom from the first movie. We didn't know that until well, after we I, got out of the movie. No, 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 no. I knew that was the same actor. I just didn't realize in the trailers that she was in this movie because I wasn't paying enough attention. But when she was in the scene, that's when I knew, oh, He's the baby. She's the mom because Ryan had said it, and then she showed up, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, of course." Yeah, of course. Let me, re- let me rephrase. I didn't know that until after we got out of the movie. Uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, Vanessa Williams, right? Yeah, Fessa. She oh. she looks like exact, almost exactly the same. Like it, it's been 20 years, and she she's aged super gracefully. I didn't re- like that woman. How is that that like that's her kid? Like they look the same age to me. Like it was. Like, well, it's, it's funny. So good at her age. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. funny because uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen, uh, um, he who plays Anthony. I knew he was playing the baby going in, um, but the baby was two years old in 1992. Uh, Yaya was born in 1986. Yeah, he's a little. Yeah, you 
a little that's older, that's well but but that's what range. No, I I think that that adds to what Ryan was talking about how the characters kind of look the same. Like could be, they could be the same age uh, because Yaya is playing younger but is older, and she is she just looks great for her age. Yeah, like the music. Uh, is she looks flawless. The music, uh, still using that Philip Glass uh, score, but like doing new stuff with it. I um, wanted I wanted the original theme played more. I, I really like that original theme, and I like how how it's used in the original movie. Um, I, we only really that, get we only really get a a like full version of it in the credits. I thought they used it sparingly in a good way um, mm. for for Candyman. I thought that they they allowed it to be separate of that theme enough. Um, personally, uh, I mm-hmm. didn't need it. I think that where it was present was good, and when it hit in the credits, it was good. Like the fact that it was really only attached mostly to when we were talking about because it, it felt like it was only attached to like. For that felt like for the audience, it's only attached when it's referring to Tony Todd's Candyman, yeah. whether that's through Helen Lyle's story or through the retelling of his story. <laughs> but it's not attached to like every iteration of Candyman necessarily. So I besides until the credits, besides some of the stuff that that Sparks brought up that I didn't realize until until realizing myself, uh, I only had one problem with the movie, and I didn't realize it until we were talking about it in the car. Oh yeah, I'm glad you're gonna bring it up. It's why does the brother tell a ghost story randomly at a party? Yes. Uh, I Who think the, does that? I think the setup for this story is bad. It is um, bad. I think that, like, <laughs> there's so many steps that could have been done in different ways to get that story told at the beginning to make Anthony ask the questions. Yeah. And, but it's literally just, we're having a night out. All right, I decided I'm going to tell this scary story about Helen for some reason. And then... They just cut when he's done with the story. They cut to them leaving. That's the end. That's all it was there for. Ben, how often when we're hanging out, I just turn the lights off and tell you a spooky story? Never. I'm just I, saying. Well, uh, as uh, don't disagree. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, but I did enjoy. I do like that the story of uh, Tony Todd's character has been buried. I'm trying really hard to avoid it. Uh, has been buried so much that the story is about Helen Lyle. I think that's yeah. really cool. It makes, it's just the setup getting there. Is, it yeah. makes sense that it would be about Helen Lyle. And I think that's all I think that's all good. I think they were like, well, we don't want him to hear about Candyman first. We want him to hear about Helen first. Yeah. So that's how they he goes on down the path. And I think that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I think there were good ways to have told I, I told Ryan, I'm like, it would have been better if uh they didn't know the story, but the white his white boyfriend did because he came from that area and he knows it because he's more interested in like the atrocities that happened to a white woman there mm-hmm. or with a white woman involving a white woman. And so he brings that up. There are, uh, there are so many ways they could have set up the reason to tell the story. And it just, it, they kind of just do it out of nowhere. They just do you know? the laziest way, yeah. which yeah. is it had to happen. So here it is. Like, that's my real only complaint. Like this is like, I agree. the movie's, the movie's like not very, it's less, it's like less than two hours long. Like it's super short. Uh, like no fat. I, I love the end. Uh, that's just the one complaint. It's like, you just you couldn't find a better way to set up. I didn't I think you. about it. I didn't think about it, but yeah, I I, I agree. My only... I told, I told Ryan when I brought it up when we were driving home from the movie, I'm like, a lot of movie happened, so I hadn't thought about it until we were driving home, and then I'm like, you know, it's really weird the way the brother brought up the story. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. 
Ben, you want to say something, and then I want to move into what my complaint was. So. Uh, I was going to say I never really thought about it, because when I was driving home, I was thinking about everything that happened, like all the events, the, the painting stuff, the, the arm. Um... The scariest part is when Yaya's just goes, don't look at those! <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that yeah, legitimately that's... terrified me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now that you bring that up, it's like, oh, damn, yeah, that is kind of dumb how this, how, like, he finds out about Candyman. Is that, and it is just that the beginning of the it. movie? So it's easy to forget, but yeah, it yeah. is it is a bad setup. It, do, it does feel like they worked backwards and then just never found a good lead-in. Yeah. Or and so just decided to leave it alone. Yeah. Uh and yeah. it just it just needed a better lead-in, and I wouldn't have a problem with it, but it does feel like it's happening because it has to. Because the script demands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep going. I gotta get my cat out of the room. I guess I guess complaint isn't the right word, and I'm not gonna use it because it's not the right word at all. I find it questionable that anybody that anybody would say it uh like say say his name at all and one of the things that was is so funny to me and then the first film does it too is that there are people like getting off on it and they're yeah. like yeah i'm gonna say this horrible thing that we might get us murdered while you're just getting ready to f me and i'm like I, that's just to me it's just so, so funny so that that's that's a you thing, Brandon, because I am a daredevil and I'm an adrenaline junkie. So if I heard about this, like I was the kid who used to say Bloody Mary in the mirror and stuff Oof. like that. Like, yeah, like those stupid. I'm way too superstitious kids, for that. The stupid high school kids. Of course they would do that. I would. Of course they and, would. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because I in no way mean the high school kids. Yeah. Um, it's just other other instances where the narr- the narrative says we need to kill here. They're like, let's do it. That's I, the, that's, it doesn't that's make. What the movie is. <laughs> We're getting too far off of this. No, um, I just like I, uh, yeah, I get you. No, but I mean, like, I think that's a fair point, Brandon. Which is that that that's that is speaking from like your personal engagement with like superstitions and that kind of thing. And I do think that there are people out there like Ryan, like other people I've known in my life, who would do this. They would say it under those circumstances. And it's also it is to some extent speaking to a disbelief in the idea that some black specter that was punished by white people would ever come back and and kill like it's 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 just an absolute disrespect on the entire mythos of it and it it definitely there are people that would do it uh would they all necessarily would all those types of people that would do it necessarily be in such a close bubble (laughs) to each other probably not but these people definitely exist i'm not i'm not saying they don't i was i was just lamenting that i as my own personal my own personal thing don't understand the the compulsion narratively i often felt like there wasn't there was only two moments where it narratively made sense for it to happen because uh because most of the time when i heard when i saw it it felt like they were just like we need a kill we need a scare we need something scary right here you know what i won't disagree with you but we're watching a horror movie where people have to die so so i will say i will say the one that felt um that i was like I kind of expected us to learn that she didn't say it, but then she, she apparently did because she was killed. The, the, it's the, art, art, critic. the art critic Finley. And the That's biggest, exactly who I was talking about. So the biggest reason for that for me is that I wouldn't say it only under the pretense that like, I think that there's very easily a perspective where you play into the fact that she wouldn't say it out of fear of what he would do because he's present and acting weird in her house. Uh, in her apartment rather than being concerned necessarily about the thing itself. And I just have a hard time anticipating her in the unclear uncomfortability that she was sitting in 
her choosing to do it in that moment is hard for me to believe. It's not hard for me to believe that she would ever do it, but in that moment, it's a little bit. It's a little bit. I don't know. That's I mean, for the me, moment I was, I was, yeah. I was referring to. That's 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 fair. I guess for me, like she she is doing this piece on him when she didn't believe him before, or like she doesn't believe like this is a murder thing, but like she didn't believe in the art before, and now she does. So like I get he that. even dares her, and like I know he does. It's like as a joke, like what's gonna happen, Candyman, Candyman, right? Like I I totally bought that she did that. It it it's it's very much in a context of like I I feel like under the circumstances it'd be more likely she would do it later that night after he'd left. Well, that's fair. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the fact that he's there acting cagey and strange yeah. in her house and people have been murdered and that's what she knows. People have been murdered around his piece and there's an amount to her being concerned about her own safety because of him, not necessarily because of the thing itself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think under those circumstances she would necessarily say that name five times into a mirror. Sure. Uh, but I can I can let that go. I can let that go pretty easily. Yeah. Um I wouldn't I wouldn't call that a, a, a nitpick, but I definitely am like eh, that does feel like that's happening more to service uh the, the moment than it is to service uh because I, I thought that was gonna be the whole thing. I, I honestly thought that's what we were gonna get is that uh when we were seeing him in the mirror was because he was seeing him and that's what his engagement was and we were gonna learn no she didn't say it then and we were gonna like find out later that she said it later on, mm -hmm. or we were going to see after he left that that's when she finally looked in the mirror and did it, that kind of thing. Um, it's fine. I think yeah. that kill's really cool because I love that kill. It's one of my mm -hmm. favorites in the whole film because it looks like the shadow puppet. Yeah. And I think that's incredible, the way that they created it to look like the shadow puppet. Yeah. Um, For me, um, in horror movies, I'll never get mad that people die in horror movies because especially one where all the kills are so unique and cool, especially the, the, the high school scene where it's all in the mirror. I was getting Suicide Squad helmet fight flashbacks uh, right there. Even better than the mirror is the first one who gets killed, and you have them looking at the blood. It's the blood that trickles and then oh, pools. Yeah. And I'm like, the, the it's so good because it's servicing your imagination yep. rather than showing you. And that's what a lot of the bathroom kills did. The oh, yeah. girl, the girl, when whatever happens, like the 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 like the I think the window opens and it makes a yep. noise. It's just like nope, and she <laughs> yeah, just leaves. Runs out. Smartest girl in the movie. Yeah. Uh, importantly, I think it's I think it's cool and it's it's, it's fascinating to compare. It, you know, in the 1992 uh, original film, Candyman kills a decent chunk of black people, um, but in this one, all victims only white. Uh, and of course, it's through the circumstances of like them them engaging with the, the mythos. But uh, I I do think that that's kind of that's kind of nice that yeah. that's that's what ended up happening. That you know we didn't have to um, see black uh violence um paved off of oh this was another one that i this was another one that kind of irked the black film critics is uh the the pointed use of say my name uh in the in the post george floyd era which i'm like i'm gonna back off on that from the film because uh this movie was made before yeah right right uh but i do think like i understand where the the context of it the connotation is talking about like the profiteering off of black body violence uh, I 100% I get that. Which like, I, I, I understand why that is something yeah. where like if if you are analyzing from that angle, I get, why, I get why you will, yeah. you will see it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that there's there's definitely a reasonable amount of like discussion around commodification off of off of black violence and where is it acceptable and where is it actually pushing something and saying something and where is it just profiteering. And I'm not saying that I, I don't know 
I don't know if I really know where Candyman lands on that line, honestly. Uh, I don't. I think it's more net positive than net negative. You just said it. They kill all white people in this movie, right? Like, I, no, like, think, I, like I think it's. I think it's more net positive than net negative, personally. Yeah. But uh, I understand that that is a that is a broader conversation. This is something that came up when we talked about Batwoman just a few weeks ago, where yeah. I was like, that was definitely more for like we're getting in on the thing. I just learned that Supergirl's about to have a Black Lives Matter episode. Oh, wow. um, that they they just commented on. So like, it, it definitely feels like a well, we gotta do it now because that's the thing that that that's that's the thing that we're doing right now. And I'm like, I understand wanting to be a part of that conversation, especially when you have creatives who are involved, who are part of the community, yeah. but it's uh, that it's gotta be with, with purpose, not just to be representative of the fact that you care. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, again, not saying Candyman falls in that line, but I do understand where like having a lot of that out there makes you more sensitive to where that material lands. Yeah. Um, I think the I think Nia DaCosta's directing is incredible. Yeah. I think the visuals in this film are amazing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely stunning. Uh <laughs> I heard I think I agree with that one quote I pulled up, which was that uh her directing is subtle where the script can is not at times. Mm -hmm. Um I think it the film is gorgeous. I'm so excited for the Marvels. Oh yeah. Um the whole sequence in the art gallery where with the mirrors is so good watching him travel through the mirrors as he's there and not there and that kind of thing uh, cutting the really the projector really great. in half really yeah. great and yeah. the dragging part all great yeah I, uh, I, love, I love the finale um where you see all the different it just reminds me i keep saying ghost rider but like he turns it's into all the like different that. mantles of the people who have been Candyman as he's saying the the quotes and then he turns into tony todd at the end just beautiful beautiful stuff man tell everyone Tell every yeah he keeps the guy alive to spread the message to like restart and again like I don't I like this movie a lot and I don't necessarily need sequels or anything but the way that they turn Candyman into a mantle this could easily be done by like just get every couple years give it to a new black filmmaker and just do Candyman again again like I'm I'm a white even, dude saying this maybe you shouldn't make more, any more Candyman I don't even know. even more now than a mantle he's he's a weapon he's yeah a white yeah. white supremacy and turn white, into an anti-hero sure white white villainy uh so. Uh, I I really like that ending. I do. Um, I think it's super strong. It reminded me. I told Ryan it reminds me a lot of the Lovecraft Country ending, uh, where it's very much like this isn't for you anymore. Yeah, yeah. this is now ours. Mm -hmm. Magic. You don't yeah. get to have this kind of thing over us anymore. This is now our thing to use against you. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like the inclusion of Tony Todd, as little as it was. Um, good de-aging technique because he didn't really need to do it for a long time. Um, I thought it was, I thought he was present in exactly the amount he needed to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he, when he, when he says, tell everyone, uh, to, uh, the, the, the girl, um, because the girl summoned, uh, her boyfriend, right? They weren't married, right? Um, cause she summoned the, 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 the guy. Um, I thought that was really cool that, it, you know, as Spark said, like you, you do kind of like almost use them as a weapon. Um, yeah. Reminded, and Ryan, you said something that reminded me of, um, you know, if a slasher film goes on long enough, eventually they become the hero of something. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those things where like, I'm happy to see it because it's like, you know, we, we need more things that are doing this anyway. And again, like, I do think it's filling that, like that mainstream level need where we all kind of need to get on this page and agree like, yeah, this is good. Um, some of the cop stuff's a little heavy handed, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, like the, the way that he goes at her in the car, I'm like, that's, 
a little laying it on thick. That was very thin. That was very thick. When, but, when he was like, but, oh, there's uh, two stories. I'm like, dude, really? But I get, but I get what it's doing. And I, and I understand, you know, like it is a little heavy handed, but, but it needs to be done to justify the ending and the ending's really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't mind it. Speaking of the ending, I've been wanting to say this. Um, so I also love the ending. I love the ending, the, the inclusion of Tony Todd, where he says, tell everyone. But another thing of uh, going back and I, my memory might be a little hazy from the first Candyman film, but this one doesn't end with Candyman. I mean, obviously he doesn't die, but it doesn't end with him getting beaten in a way. Like with a lot of these movies, like with it or with uh, Halloween, um, the villain, the, the thing that's been killing everyone eventually it either dies or gets beaten or just gets pushed back. Or well, something. it's, it's kind of like almost like a new Candyman, though. Like well, it's and, not... and like and like even beyond that, like the thing was that Candyman didn't really die at the end of the 1992 one. Yes, Helen stabbed him in the fire and everything, but the reason that Candyman stopping there is because people stopped saying his name. Yeah. After that incident, the the reason it's a, it's Candyman a doesn't come back belief. is because the person well, that he was the person that he was after because she had brought him in, she died, which means he's done now. Uh. But when when it's almost um, like a curse, you gotta like you gotta bring it. But back. the yeah. but because of the so it seems this is me really stretching, which is a thing that I kind of wish was in the movie a little clearer, or at least between the 1992 one and this was a little clearer. It seems like the purpose of having the baby, right, uh, and then having him grow up now, is to be a candy man who is free, because when she summons him, he doesn't have to kill her. He kills the, the cops. cops. Mm -hmm. Now he is free to dispense his justice, justice in his way yeah. for black people. It is no longer a call me in the mirror and I'll come kill you. It's no it longer a Freddy Krueger. Call me in the mirror and I will come kill the people who will kill you. He is like an anti-hero. Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I was trying to say. Because in the 92 film, Helen is stabbing him, trying to beat him. Whereas in this one, at the very end of the movie, it's like I, I'm not, I don't have to do that anymore. He's not it's really like, the villain in this movie. Yeah, which is and interesting. You know, you're right. There's really no villain. Not really. Uh, those cops are villains. Well, you know, well, I mean, <laughs> towards the towards the uh, we don't. There's you could you could make an you could make a reasonable argument that Burke is a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, true, yeah. but you yeah. can you can say. There, there's nothing in this movie that creates an antagonistic force that is trying to kill our our protagonist. Our protagonist is actively being turned into yeah. the antagonist. Like the, yeah. the our protagonist is just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and of course he keeps telling the people he meets about this the Candyman right legend. place actually, or the he was right always meant to be there. Yeah, but I, either way, he keeps telling these people about these legends, or even if the, he inadvertently tells them, like the high school girl, she was at the art gallery, she gets, she hears the name, and then she goes back to school and does what school kids do, is like, hey, let's try out this dumb, stupid legend, lol, and then, spoilers, they all die. Spoilers. Spoilers. Um, I've never seen the sequels to Candyman. Uh, I'm... Don't. I, I, <laughs> I've never been too curious. Uh, does this retcon the sequels? Like, it Joe doesn't word. just like it doesn't, Halloween. It just ignores them. It doesn't yeah. retcon them, but it doesn't acknowledge. So it it they're just more of they're just slasher movies. So Tony Tony Todd's character, uh, the the sequels are about one of his descendants. Mm -hmm. uh, 
is involved and so like it makes this like genealogical connection that Candyman has over the family and that's in both two and three um but it's it, it doesn't undo anything there but it also makes no direct reference to them cool uh, i was just curious yeah they're they're entirely isolated those films were not going for the same messaging about like cabrini green and like the idea of the chicago projects and things like that um fun fact after the release of freddy versus jason they wanted to make a Candyman versus leatherface movie when they approached tony todd he said i will never make a movie like that and i respect him for it yeah and they wanted to do so many movies. I, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Leatherface well, to like, Candyman. Because that's the whole thing is like the, the furthering of Candyman. The reason why like uh, Candyman kind of dwindled out. Tony Todd didn't want to do things like that is because it was further taking the teeth out of what the representation of Candyman meant. They just became slasher movie. Uh, yeah. For black horror. Um, and it was reducing it down to this is sellable, this is marketable, this is commodification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I really like Tayona Paris in this. Yeah. I think she's great. Um, yep. I wish she was in it a little more, uh, or at least that there was a little bit more explored of her character. I think there is a cool nugget there with the stuff with her connection to her dad. Tortured dead I dad. Just, yeah. I just don't think it's done, done enough. Done enough uh i i like the the idea of it but i and like that there being this idea of her carrying on the burden of her family's history she, she cares for tortured artists yeah yeah right um but i just don't think that they go far enough with it yeah i agree yeah is that little girl from us the girl who plays the young not sure i don't know i'm gonna look that up um i don't know if i have much more to add no um I had a I had a real good time. Um, I, I I've been thinking about uh, just the opening credits with with like Chicago skyline inverted, so you just see like the fog. So good. and it's just it's really ominous, and it's like it's a, it's amazing that like what you can just what you can do with films like turn which regular is, things into like atmospheric dread. So yeah, which is all about that, how, like look how many skyscrapers they put up. Yeah, over it us. is not only that when the um uh the all the logos like Universal, Metro Golden Meyer, all of them they're all over. <laughs> they're all over. <laughs> When I saw that, I, I turned to Zara. I go, "Did they put the print in backwards? Is this supposed yeah. to be happening?" I thought the same thing too. I was like, "Hold up, something's not right here." And then I, it's, I just saw a trailer. I know it's not the same thing, but what's going on? And then it's like, "Oh wait!" And then Ryan, because I was like, Ryan leaned over to me. And he's like, "It's a mirror bed." I'm like, "Oh." Uh, I love anytime that there's a mirror and like Candyman's doing shit. There are bees on the opposite side, like trying to get in the oh, mirror. Yeah, that's so that's good. always a great effect. I always yeah. Bees are are awesome. I love bees. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. that effect as well. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna go out and try and squish bees, but now every time I see a bee, I'm gonna look around, and make sure there's no mirror close to me. Bees are the greatest. I think um, Mateen so Mateen turns in a powerful performance. Um, I think it's I think it's really raw. Yeah, in a really strong way. Great. Some some really striking and incredible emotional moments. Great uh, practical effects with him turning into a honeycomb man. It's I think, just disgusting. Uh, the, yeah. When he's when he's vulnerable, he's so good. Um, he has that one moment when he starts talking to her and he says, "I think I made a mistake." Yeah. Um, and I think he's so excellent, and especially in the scene with his mom, the moment when he knows because of what she says that he is the baby for sure. She confirms it, mm-hmm. and he has that reaction, and she's still talking to him, trying to explain. And he's just like um, walking out the door, and she's like, no, "And how it recontextualizes like his entire relationship with his mom because you know like there's stuff going on there, but you're not quite sure what." Yeah. Uh, if you didn't know, um, 
uh, like myself, oh, who had, who didn't look into it. Oh yeah, the the whole the whole thing with him, uh, real like like wishing he could take it back, almost take back summoning him. Yeah. Um, it, it is is really good. I I really liked him in this. His the practical effects of turning him into the honeycomb design of the tri uh, triggering the trypophobia uh, so is good. so good. Yeah. Um, oh. and the other thing is like I think it does I think it does a good job of speaking to like a uh the pain of of engaging with that like it's it it does speak to how awful it is when you have to actually face what's going on um as an analogy of like this this violence against black men and things like that uh it very much does speak to how much it tortures you it makes it a physical representation on the outside to be doing that and you can't once you've done it you can't turn away from it uh -huh. yeah uh once when you, you you he lived in blissful ignorance and then he couldn't anymore he opened um, Pandora's box. there's even this implication like earlier i remember where like uh I, I believe it's the art critic who's talking about his pieces before um before the Candyman pieces and saying like you know this is this is very much like what people are kind of saying about this film which is that it's the it's kind of the pandering the pandering to the wider audience to build your personal success off the profit of this imagery yeah uh and it, because we see like the hands with the noose and we know like kind of what his art pieces were doing before that um but then it becomes personal and it becomes real and that's what he's engaging with for the rest of the movie uh and i think as an analogy of that it is really powerful because it's uh you know it, it as painful as it is you can't just turn away from it and you will get sucked down into it and it will beat you and degrade you and there's really nothing to be done about it because it is what's happening um and i think in that sense it's really strong yeah 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 there's a, a point that you made that reminded me of something but i don't remember what it was at this point so i, I guess i i guess i don't have anything to add oh no uh anything else you want to add then i really really liked it i think this might be one of the best reboot sequel Reboot cool, reboot Um, uh, is in horror or in general? Yeah. Uh, what would you rate it? Nine point five. Hell yeah, Ryan. Man, nine solid hard nine. Ben. Oh no, I also give it a nine point five. Nice. Eight. Nice. Um. All right, so we go into a book club then. Book it up. Benjamin, That's take me. it away. Yep, so my book club is Batman Last Night on Earth by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo with uh, Jonathan Glapion and FCO. It's it's spelled FCO. I don't know if it's FCO or... FCO. Placencia. FCO names. Names are hard. So yeah, this was... Um, a, this is a this is a uh, Batman Black Label book. It's the first one that, as far as I can remember, that wasn't in the large magazine format like Damned or Harleen was. It was in like regular comic book format. And of course, this was this is uh, Scott Snyder's and Greg Capullo's one of their last Batman stories that they've done as a team. So the last, yeah, it was the last one. So what'd you guys think of it? Uh, I remember reading this. Not too long ago, I have I have it in single issues because I have all of Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo's, 
uh, Batman stuff. I wanted to be sure that when they were like, this is our last one, I'm like, okay, need. Make mm-hmm. sure to get those three issues. Yeah. Um, I enjoy it. It's a fun story. It's a fun dystopia. Uh, what, what, anyone else? Yeah, I think it's fun. Uh, I didn't love it. Uh, it might be my least favorite of their work because I've read all, all of the New 52 Batman. Um, I think it's a great story. I loved, I I remember reading Old, old Man Logan and I'm like, oh, right, this is just Old Man Logan. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost Old Man Logan to a T where there's a road trip and then the villain you fight at the end has a trophy collection of all the dead heroes that have been killed. And I'm like, cool, I've read the story before. Um, the Elseworlds stuff's cool. I don't think the story does enough for me to really latch on to anything, to be honest. Sparks? I, I, I would more or less be echoing what Ryan just said. Yeah. Um, so th- this is the first time I was reading it. I have never, I've only read the first issue when I got it, and then I didn't get the rest of the issues, and I found out it was in trade, and my mom was kind of to get me the trade. But I, I, I liked it. Um, I definitely got a lot of death metal vibes from it. Um, a lot of death metal, uh, a lot of metal and death metal vibes, especially death metal with um, Batman and Wonder Woman. But other than that, mm-hmm. it's, I feel, I feel like I've definitely, this, I, I feel like when Scott Snyder and he tries to go like big, like really, really big, it kind of fumbles along, along the way. Whereas like, I, I'm in a dystopia been there before i've been you get batman trying to like the one dynamic i did like is the joker's head in the jar constantly mm-hmm. asking batman if he can be a robin this is a controversial opinion i it's happened maybe like twice in modern comics but w- those two times that batman and joker have teamed up i've really enjoyed the other one was batman europa which i thought mm-hmm. was a lot of fun mm-hmm. yeah I, that's probably one of my favorite parts of this book is joker yeah. Yeah. Um, and the way that they do him and they wait the way they do that relationship Joker um, I think the other thing I like is like the setup of this which is the Superman Luther debate yeah um, that's I think a, that's I think very... that's a really cool concept in the way that it didn't didn't go the way that they thought it would um and oh, that like, Lex Luthor Superman, dies instead that, no, that uh, Superman, the Superman dies instead yeah, yeah that Superman definitely won that debate and then people like chose doom yeah this ties in to like it feels like an alternate like future of his Justice League stuff because that's dealing with Doom and Justice and all that yeah. like intricate stuff too. Um, so if like if you're reading Justice League at the time, it's like this fits almost right into there. You do yeah. have like a, a little bit of a repetition in the concept, I think, especially like practically just altering the words a little bit, saying the same thing of how Joker and Luther have come to view Superman and Batman. Yeah, yeah. At one point, the way that they're both talking about them, I'm like, yeah, all right. I mean, I get it. Like, cool that they came around. Yours best friend. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, oh, one of the things I really enjoyed was the, like the opening scenes of the book where Bruce is in the hospital and then Alfred's like, no one blames you. It's kind of like, part of me kind of wanted to explore that this has all been in Bruce's head the whole time, like all his doctor. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that's the dumbest part of this book. Why is it in this book? Yeah. Oh, the the, the, the beginning when he's when he's in the like the mental institution or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or, institution. Or, yeah, why? Where he's in Arkham, and then it's revealed that oh no, this is all a sham because we want to give you a life, and then it turns out it's like, what life is there to live in a fake Gotham anyway? So so so, the worst part of that to me is that Alfred went, you know, the best way to give Bruce a good life is to make him think he's been insane for years. That's not. That seems wrong. That's me, Alfred Pennyworth, wanting to make the boy I love crazy. Or at least think he's crazy. Yeah. What? Like, once the, what is that? 
once the once we get into like what the actual story is, even I was like, that part was just dumb. I'll tell you what. Like, why was there? If if the first issue um, would have just started with Bruce's hand coming out of the sand, the the exact the comic would have been the exact same. Yeah, for me, but yeah. literally, because like you you don't learn any real information about the outside world until he's in, into the world. So like. Mm-hmm. Besides seeing, like, oh, what if Harley Quinn was actually a doctor? Like, I which I've seen before. They've done this type of thing before. Uh, also, like, the case, the whole case with Joe Chill's kid yeah. is, like, poorly explained how it's, the Joker at the end was, like, I was behind it all, Batman. I was confused about that, too. Yeah. I wasn't sure what... So he's the... saying that he faked the record. So it yeah. wasn't Thomas who killed Joe Chill's kid and okay. he set up the boy and everything. But what was and, the like, point of it? To be it the last... That, it means that, like, his, his lack of faith in, like, Batman was wrong. Oh. Because... Uh, his father was never a drunk who fucked up mm. and he didn't deserve to be shot in the alley and all that stuff because because that's also stupid the idea that like just simply being told like yeah your dad might have accidentally like you know like while he was drunk killed his kid that means he deserved he and your mom both deserve to get shot yeah. in the alley and i'm like that's a take mm-hmm. yeah uh- uh, one of the lines that I really like about the related, because it's related, I want to bring it up. Uh, when uh, Scarecrow uh, is about to kill Alfred, and he's and and Omega is the one who says, "It's okay, you saved them. They didn't go down the alley." Yeah, I thought that was really yeah, sweet. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, I knew Omega was was like the real Bruce Wayne. The whole like the second he shows, I, I was like, "There's Bruce." I was hoping it wasn't. Me too. <laughs> Um, I didn't know who was gonna be. I'm glad it wasn't Nightwing because Nightwing being leader of the Court of Owls is like hella dope. That's like yeah, that's, that's a cool, cool elk girl thing I'm into. Um, I like all like the like Wonder Woman's fine. Like I've seen other versions of that already. Like you said, like a death metal and like Wonder Woman Dead Earth and stuff. Um, like um Barbara and then there's like Barbara's kid Bryce, who's like has like three lines. Like okay, cool. She's got a like resist tattoo on her face. All right. Um, you bring up uh, Nightwing as the as the Court of Owls leader. I really like the redesigned owl assembled yes. uh, costumes for the Fallen Heroes and and even Batgirl. Um, and it, they showed us Tim's, and then they they like Damien didn't get one because he died before all this. Um, uh, I thought that was pretty effective, and I really like those designs. Yeah, the idea of the bat symbol being corrupted so they the Court of Owls like kind of became the new heroes. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. I think that's a, a pretty yeah. cool idea. Um, I also think the concept of like he held open the door is poorly illustrated. Yeah. Uh, like they, exactly, they use that line a lot. Exactly what yeah. that yeah. Okay. was. Yeah, they keep mentioning that. The only time they show a shot of Bruce opening the door so people can go into the Hall of Justice, it's like an aerial shot, and there's just a mob of people, and you can definitely see that there's Batman. But they keep mentioning, like, Bruce, you held open the door. It's like, let me see not from an aerial shot let me see that up close give me that emotional response of when because every time they say but bruce you held open the door and it's because you held the door open that i will fight for you it's like let me see the damn part of him yeah. being hodor as or no not hodor the the reverse of hodor that and door. Opening this, yeah this is a comic that does uh does the sin of more talking less showing mm-hmm. uh pretty extremely um but I, I echoing back like i didn't want it to be bruce wayne because i'm i'm really tired of like the only person who can stop batman is batman <laughs> batman is batman's maybe greatest enemy maybe it's a different version of batman or batman from blah 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 blah. i mean that's been scott snyder's like approach to all those events i he? know <laughs> um and I'm he over it. yeah he uh the the fake batman concept i was really hoping it was actually a corrupted clone 
Um, and this is the second time they've cloned Bat, and the Batman we're following is the second time we've cloned him. Um, I yeah, I wasn't crazy about the idea of it being the original Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Certainly the second time around. Yeah, yeah. but there, I mean, um, going on the art, Grant Capullo's art is glorious. But I really want to highlight one panel. It's the very last panel of the book. It's like the family photo shot of yeah. everyone. Robin. But one thing I have to mention: look at Baby Superman. His eyes are like what the fuck did i just get into yeah he's got some big uh, eyes I big love, f word day for us i, I haven't love, said it yet Hell i love yeah. joker up in his big robot body looking like uh uh mega minds minion yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. i love it um this is They're kind of a culmination in uh scott snyder i really like scott snyder's batman run one of the things i really didn't like was his future state issue um if you remember that event when it was revealed that Batman, and then this came up in, in um, heavy specifically the, the last arc he did um, the idea that Bruce Wayne has a copy of himself at his peak that will just keep cloning for generation after generation after generation. And I, I, that, that concept never worked for me because the idea of Batman being, it takes the away idea, from being a man. Well, yeah, that too, but I've never, like the idea that Batman's mission was hopeless. Yeah. Because it, it what's happened in modern day DC, especially with this cloning idea is that the world will always need Batman. The Gotham will always need Batman, which means yeah. his, his duty, his, his like whole thing to make Gotham better is perpetually never ending. It's it honestly, also, it also makes everyone else in the Bat family seem superfluous. Yes, it's like, my why biggest would you problem. Have them if Batman can just lose and then be come back clone. Yes, it's my biggest problem, honestly. Like, and I really like Scott Snyder's Batman run, and even like like the stuff I don't like about the two metal events. There's stuff I do like about them. The thing I don't like that what he's done with Batman, he's made Batman like a destiny type character where everything rides on Batman, and like the world wouldn't be the same without Batman. Like Batman, like like the entire universe is centered on this one dude. He's supposed to be a human being. That's what makes Batman special. He's a dude. And like when you start adding all this sci-fi, like, oh, I will never not be Batman because I have a clone ready who's I have a Krokoan clone just ready. Like I got X-Men shit going. I'm like, that's that's lame. That's that takes away what makes Batman cool to me, you know? Like the only time the only time I had liked the Batman clone story was when I don't know if it was in if it was in like um Detective One Thousand or something. It Sean Murphy drew it. I want to say Scott Snyder wrote it and Sean Murphy drew it. That's the only time I liked it because I like Sean Murphy's art a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that was the one where where um, he had where he meets the older version of himself, who then becomes yeah. the Alfred. Mm. Yeah, that was all right. I like that yeah. issue. I mean, yeah, I really like that bit. But other than that, seeing a clone of Bruce Wayne's like, oh, the world always needs a Batman, or going back. Like, the world doesn't need Batman Gotham, sure. I mean, I, Amanda Waller does it. That's how we get Terry McGinnis. But here's, but, the, but here's the thing, Ben. What I, but what I was getting at, Ben, is that the clone Batman idea, I think, works the best in this because it, it's it's about it. it's about the clone Batman. But the clone Batman idea as a concept never sit well with me because Gotham shouldn't always need a Batman. There should be a point in Batman's life where Gotham gets better. Yeah. Or... Or again, you don't always need Bruce Wayne to be Batman. There yeah, are dozens of other Bat characters I, who could take the mantle. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, Damian yes, Wayne? it makes the whole idea of him training all these other people seem worthless. Why would he do that yeah. when he can lose the mission and come back? Okay, this yeah, might be exactly. going back to um, the anniversary issue, um, but I remember there's like a short story where it's old Bruce Wayne talking to his granddaughter, and, and like everyone knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman at this point, but there's this huge party at the mansion. Um, the scene is like his granddaughter comes in and there's a bunch of books behind him, which are like the long Halloween hush, yep. 
all this stuff. And he's just he's like, well, I can't be Batman anymore. But then you see Gotham. Gotham's at peace. And I want to say Damien is Batman now. But you mm-hmm. see a Batman. But Bruce is at peace. Selina is at peace. Gotham is at peace knowing that we got Batman and it's not a shithole that it used to be. The, sure. the whole idea that Batman's mission will never will never end, he'll never save Gotham, is just supremely depressing to me. Yeah. What's the uh, one not, Greek... I'm, I'm what, not, hold up, I'm hold not up, against hold up. that idea. Go ahead, man. What's that one Greek tragedy or that Greek myth about the Titan who pushes the boulder up the hill? What's the, the man? Name? It's the man oh. who pushes up the hill, uh, pushes the boulder up a hill. Yeah, and every time the boulder gets up to the top, it always rolls back down, no matter Sisyphus? how hard. Sisyphus. Yeah, it sounds right. Sisyphus, I think. Yeah. So turning Batman's quest to save Gotham into that is like no. But here's the thing, like it's it's that's the conundrum of comics. Like if we're always in the second act, like Bat- Gotham always has to be crap because in Batman, that's why Batman exists. Like I don't right. need, I don't but need. They, but they always yeah. they can flash forward to the future and see that Gotham is all right, or yeah. see that Gotham is better with a different person under the cowl. Yeah. Bruce's mission constantly be- failing so that he has to keep cloning himself is depressing. Moving on to that's another. That's like definitely a more modern thing. Though. That's what I'm that's talking true. about. Like modern comics, this idea of cloning it perpetually creates this idea that Bruce Wayne is locked in a struggle to save Gotham that he will never win. I don't mind if it's Bruce Wayne dies and doesn't finish 100% and Dick Grayson takes it on or Damian Wayne takes it on. I don't mind that. I mind that Bruce Wayne is is constantly going to relive trying to save trying to save Gotham and lose. Yeah. Sure. But this comic um, has a lot of empty moments that I'm just kind of like, I, I guess this means something. Like Catwoman giving Diana the original lasso. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you, there what was, does that mean? You didn't give me any reason to believe that the lasso you had wasn't the original one. Yeah, like, that was weird. And, then, and then you do nothing with it after. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Other than, cool I guess, part... kill John? Yeah, like the only cool part about when they do go visit Selena is that she's like, "Oh yeah, you see that rope over there? I'm supposed to push that. When I'm supposed to pull it when you all showed up." And they're like, "Sure." Uh, and she's like, "Sure." Hold on, it's supposed to when you break in, you knock at the door and you're nice. There's the scream of sticks in the back. Have fun. It's it's very similar to like some of the issues I had when we did heavy metal, which is like a lot of these things are like cool concepts, but they're not explored characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I do think that the um, Greg Capullo's art is great. We've always yeah. said so. I've never um, had a problem with dispute. Yeah, I've I never really. I've never had a problem with Capullo's art. It's the times I feel like um, at this point, especially because Scott Snyder, after when he did uh, um, New Fifty Two, because he was the the Batman writer for New Fifty Two for the longest. And yep, there's Ryan's issue, signed by him. And that run, that initial run, was just so damn good. I feel that Scott has, uh, Snyder has really been trying to do something better or something like, oh, I got to do something to top this. It's like, I feel that if he just went back to the roots of Court of Owls, uh, on the street story, not this grand cosmic world ending or world saving event. It's like, yeah. just do, just do well, an on the street story. One last, well, this- it, it could be Batman's, uh, Bruce Wayne as Batman's last mission under the cowl. After tonight, he's done so. Well, this could is a been. black label. This is a black label Elseworld story. Uh, so this is the place to do that kind of crap. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. It's just like a lot, it's a lot of like uh, really big shiny toys 
Um, but like the the ways to make them interact with each other don't always agree or make a lot of sense. I'll give you uh, an example. Something that's visually cool. The a uh, 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 platoon of unknown soldiers fighting Animal Man. Yes. Yeah. Story cool. wise, that does nothing for the story. Right. It's just a cool visual. Seeing a giant Swamp Thing monster, very cool for me. Swamp Thing fan. What does that add to the story? Tornado and flashes. Not a lick. Tornado flashes. Oh Beautiful yeah. Beautiful imagery. What does it add to the story? Uh, nothing. nothing. Doesn't even get resolved. A lot of cool stuff. Um, it's seeing... just you knowing why they're not involved in anything anymore. Yep. Seeing a dead Mogo. Seeing a dead Mogo and a bunch of uh, zombies with Green Lantern rings. Slingers? I th- yeah. That, I like that. That's an interesting idea. I don't know if that would work with Green Lantern lore if they're dead, but I don't care. Yeah. But Power I mean, batteries all... destroyed. I don't think it matters. Yeah. But there's, I mean, there's good stuff in this book. Do not get me yeah. wrong. I know we've, been, I feel like we've been really negative on this book, which it's I mean, it's... I was trying to say something positive for a second there. Oh yeah, <laughs> but um, I mean, you got you got anything, Brandon? No, it's fine. You go. Yeah. Um. Other than, I mean, I still enjoy this. I'm not mad. I got it. Um. I'm glad I finally read it. But at the same yeah. time, as I was reading, it's like I felt like there's like, because his because Scott Scott and Snyder's grand cosmic stuff that I really got into was his Justice League run. Was yeah. like when you ha- when you have Proxima or hearing the stuff about like uh, Lex Luthor is bringing the Legion of Doom in. It's like it's all about Doom, and then it's like those those ideas. I'm like, yeah, that's that's really cool. I like that. Whereas if when they're implemented in this book, I was like, Batman is the sole reason that everything went to shit, and now he's yeah. the sole reason it's everything that's gonna get out of the shit. Um, I think the biggest thing for me. Like, I do think that there's cool concepts, good art. Um, I really, like, I can't stress enough, I love Joker Robin. Um, <laughs> I, I think there's, I think there is really cool stuff here. Um, and, like, conceptually, the, the world building is good. Yeah. My thing is that when you get down to the end of it, and Omega and Bruce, and the Bruce clone face off, uh, he just beats him up. Beats him, and there's no, like... There's no real triumph in it. There's no sense of like the all. reason why I should win is because of X, Y, or Z. It's it's just old Bruce loses and new Batman is right because there is reason to believe in people in a world where like they fundamentally proved there wasn't. And uh, I will say there's one there is one line that I do like and I didn't take a picture of it. Um, but it's when Bruce is talking about okay, so like. I am super positive and I'm not like all of you are super depressed. Like, and maybe I am the right Batman for this world because I am young and sure. I am, and I am ready to try to save the world. And that is a, a positive Batman but, that I like. But by Omega talking to him in the end, it's also proven that it's like, no, you're just a Bruce who didn't have his flesh torn apart yeah. and beaten and seared as you watched mm-hmm. your son die from the people you were trying to save. Yeah. That's all you are. You're just me before that happened. That's it. That's the only difference. And that's a you plot that we've through, seen. You just didn't live through pain and torture that I did. And I'm a plot like, we've seen a bunch. neat. Yeah, yeah. You're still saying this is the same dude just before that trauma happened. Yeah. Great art. Love the art. Uh, yeah. Since you brought up the art again, I wanted to say what I was trying to say earlier, um, which is that I think that the art, um, one of the things I really love about Greg Capullo is, is just how crazy you can go with designs. And yes, I agree. I'm not going to disagree with anything you guys said about, about it, its place in the story. Um, but I really like looking at it. I really like the tornado of flashes. I think that's a cool design. No, I, agree. Um, I agree. I love the. Uh, I think the 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 slingers. That's a really cool design. Um, the specter being this giant cloak is really haunting, and I'm really into it. 
Reminds um, me of dead Ant-Man and Old Man. I, I think all that is excellent world building. I, yeah, I think it's, I think I, uh, that's what I'm talking about. I'm only talking about visually. And I think that visually, yes, I, I, I love looking at it because I just think that I, I, I just, it makes me want more of that art specifically. I'm, I'm saying both. I think even in like the, the sense of what it is, it's good world building visually yeah. and, and for what it is, it is good world building. I think I like, again, it's the core. This isn't me rebuttaling your point, Brandon. I think your point is totally, this is, this is me going somewhere else. Um, it, like, I think all that world building is good. It does serve to fill out a world where it's like, look, all hopelessness just took over all of humanity. Like, it, we just we totally lost. Yeah. Totally. And like, like, they gave up on themselves. Thus, they gave up on us. We all lose. Uh, it's just that the core fight that it comes down to at the end between the Batman is not about why that wouldn't happen or why that shouldn't have happened or why they shouldn't give up on that idea or anything related to the sense of the world that they live in. It's just, I was traumatized. So I quit and I'm young enough to have not been traumatized. So I don't. And that's all. And there's just nothing there. There's no substance. To and it's boring because it's Batman and Batman's supposed to be the guy who's infallible. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So it's just evil Batman, which is the next two events that you're also going to do. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, hey, guys, you should definitely read Scott Snyder and Jock's Black Mirror Detective Comics run. Um, I think he's a detective, detective comics run, and I think Court of Owls is the best Scott Snyder comic books. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, Ryan, it's your book club next week. Ooh! Yay! Hi, Meg! Thanks for stopping <laughs> by late. I appreciate you anyway. Yeah, I'll rewatch the episode soon, but always catch you later and stay safe. Good night, buddy. You're the best. Good night, guy. Good night, Meg. Shang-Chi comes out next week, y'all. And I, uh, Shang-Chi has recently got a couple comics, but um, I, I thought the, the miniseries before the current ongoing was fine. And I don't want, and I don't want to read that because I recently read it. So I'm going to read a comic I haven't read in a long time. And it is Secret Avengers, written by Ed Brubaker and art by Mike Diodato. It is the second volume of Secret Avengers, issues uh, six through 10. This is the Shang-Chi arc of Secret Avengers. Um, I uh, haven't read this in like like seven years or so, so we're gonna revisit it. Cause Shang Chi comes out next week. Whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Yeah. That leads in greatly to the end of the episode. Next week we'll be talking about Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um well, yeah, exciting. A new Marvel movie. a, a, a new the first time meeting a, a, a new solo character. It's nice. It's been it's been a while. 2019. 2019. Yeah. It's been since Captain Marvel, really. Yeah. Yeah. We've just been following characters we've already met recently. Oh, admittedly, we've been introduced to new characters who will show up in the future. But this yeah. is like our first like solo hero, yeah. new hero. I'm ready. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, okay, cool. Cool. Um, check out some of the other... Make sure to like this video. Make sure to subscribe to this channel. Make sure to subscribe to us on, on, the, on the audio feeds. Um, if you like audio podcasts, you can check out my show, Conversation. I just put up a new episode with Ben Magnet from the Fakner Hello. Podcast. Uh, ben Magnet. Uh, not of this Fakner Podcast. It's a different Fakner Podcast. No, uh, it's Ben Magnet this... of, of Basement Arcade. Pause menu. Oh, you're right. I should, I should have done that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, this is the gentleman to my... This way. Hello. Um, yeah, that was a fun one. Um, that's a fun one i'm probably going every other week so the next episode will be christian rin Rinteria. 
I'm so sorry. I can't pronounce this. I'll have to listen to it again. Uh, that's the next episode. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, and then, of course, you guys can check out other shows on this channel, such as Fake Nerds Watch, uh, where we are currently actually, we got a lot going on Fake Nerds Watch. We are doing two series concurrently uh, with a What If and Lower Decks. Um, Lower Decks, uh, What If is done with the, the panel here, and Lower Decks is done with uh, myself and Downright Nerdy. Michael Carls and just a little podcast cookie. Um, and then of course you can check out our Marvel Disney plus special with Mike Matola. That's out now uh, links below the latest episodes of both Victor's watch are linked below as well. Um, and then coming new episodes coming soon. You can check out basement arcade pause mini. We're currently recording a lot for basement arcade pause menu. Can't wait for you guys to see it. I'm very excited. Um, and basement arcade pause menu, which there's a couple mm-hmm. of episodes you said pause menu twice. Yeah, you've been you've been saying pause menu the whole time. Oh well, basement arcade. Apologize. Uh, basement arcade is the uh, uh, recording a lot. That's the one. Whatever I said there, I said about basement arcade. Uh, basement arcade pause menu. There's a couple episodes coming out for that. Uh, ben, do you want to say what they are? Uh, yeah. So um, we had a special. Myself, Ryan, and Sparks did a Gamescom episode. That should uh, Sparks. That's coming up tomorrow, right? Uh, as long as my computer allows it. If the, your computer is nice to us, it comes up tomorrow. Other than that, it'll come up soon. And this week is my episode with Howard Scott Warshaw, the man who programmed the infamous ET video game for the Atari 2600. I was really, really excited to do that one. So, yeah, when I got that ep- episode recorded and done, I was, I'm was i really hyped about that one. Uh, based on Cape Hospital, uh is also an audio show. Yes. So it'll be on the audio feed, too. Um, Figner Book Club. Uh, new episodes coming soon, probably. And of course, Animation Station. Uh, latest episode still Transformers War for Cybertron Kingdom. So, new episodes coming soon. All right. So, Crafted by Z has some masks. Guys, we're still in a pandemic if you're not vaccinated, or even if you're vaccinated, wear a mask. Um, we have a couple left. Check out both those links below. Um, we have a Patreon uh, still for two more months? One more month. One more one, month. One more one month. month. Uh, you can get the "Don't Be a Dick." I'm so sorry that the basement arcade that the Stephen King is my best friend shirts are running late. Um, like I said, family stuff has been stalling a lot of things. Um, uh, but yeah, you get the, get that exclusive shirt, uh, or you can subscribe to our twenty dollars tier, where Ryan has still promised to get you a ship in a bottle. No one's done it yet. That's true. And you can check out our T Public, where you can find all sorts of shirts uh, for logos and things like that. Um, you can get my favorite. I'd rather be a a fake nerd and the true fan that's a that's a great shirt that i love um both those links links are below or you can find all these links on our website at www.fakenerdpodcast.com thank you to everyone who listens thank you to everyone who watches thank you to everyone who watched the replay um like this video subscribe to this channel uh thank you to jeremy bellucci for our themes all the themes you've heard uh, throughout our all of our shows um and the the interim all the music in this episode you can find him at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards, or you can find his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, on iTunes, or you can find that on Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Thank you to Mike Matola. Uh, Mike, hey, do you want to watch more of Mike Matola? We finally got him back on for our basement arcade, our fake nerds watch. Uh, what is wrong with me? Fake nerds watch. Dude, I our was fake exactly- nerds watch special. That's there. That's linked below. You can find him at Mike Matola on Instagram and TikTok. 
Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fakner Podcast, FakenerGuys at gmail.com. I'd like to get in touch with us personally. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Ben. You can find me uh, screaming at Wada Games for artificially inflating uh, retro video game prices at BenMagnet27 on Instagram and Twitter. And also, like I said at the very, very top, I write for OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. My newest article about celebrating 30 years of the Super Nintendo Entertainment System is linked down below. And also, spoiler alert, I'm writing an article about the whole Wada thing, so keep an eye out for that. Sparks. Uh, you can find me definitely not saying Candyman five times into a mirror. At Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. Oh, wait, Sparks, is this your last episode because of the Space Jam thing? No, last episode would have been my last episode. Oh, right, right, right. You, uh, have, to edit his, you have to edit all of his talking out now. Yep, now now you have to cut me out of the episode. <laughs> eh, whatever. Uh, and Ryan. Hey, guys, you can find me ghost riding the whip at DJ Tony Snark everywhere. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, a podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. Like this video, subscribe to our channel. Until next week, guys, stay fake nerds.